What's up, Sifters? Welcome to Game Phase, episode 89 on Sifted Games. We've got a great show, as always. Last week, you were giving me crap about it. Yeah, we know. We know. Our show's every always time. great. And we got another one today. Varying degrees of great. <laughs> and we're going to talk to you about a very controversial game, Far Cry 5, like only we can. We're not afraid to shy away from the big topics here. Not afraid to shy away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't shy away from the big topics there here. We go. We're not afraid to tackle. <laughs> there you go. Topics. <laughs> topics. Uh, and we're going to talk about the very non controversial rhyme. And lastly, we're going to talk about the asymmetrical multiplayer madness of Friday the 13th, the game. Let's go! I think that was the worst intro I've ever done. Those intros are just going to be me bugging you from now on. <laughs> that was terrible. I give myself an F- minus for that one. Hopefully you guys can forgive me. I do promise that we have a good show, um, and we're going to jump straight into it. Uh, obviously the big reveal this week, Matt, was Far Cry 5. This game mm. is creating and stirring up all sorts of controversy right now. Um, let's, t- let's talk about the actual game first before we kind of mm. get into the cultural implications of, of the setting and the tone of it. Um, Two-player co-op throughout the whole campaign. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? That's good. I mean, the co-op... I mean, I don't really play a lot of co-op Far Cry, but, like, a lot of people think that's kind of the star of the show, so it's cool, and now you can create your own character. You don't have to put the other player in that play as Herc. Right. Uh, which is uh, a plus. So uh, I, th- I think it's a, a logical progression for the series. More players, you think, would be better? Um, or do you think two is the, the sweet spot? I think two is kind of the sweet spot because a the AI isn't that smart. Yeah, and like you get four play, you get like a Left 4 Dead thing going on. It's just gonna be a massacre. Like yeah. even more more so than it already is. And uh, it's just it's a good balance of you know just one other person on the other side of a camp or an outpost or something. Just you know it makes it work. Um, but generally, I play solo because I like the isolation yeah. of the games. Like I, I, that's that's an appeal to me with Far Cry. It's kind of you know one guy in the, in the grass. With a leopard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something bigger. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I would say, though, about adding more people to co-op, back when I was a kid, my father used to make me go hunting. Like, <laughs> it wasn't an option for me to not go. He loved to do it, and it was something that he wanted to share with his son, and I totally get that. And, you know, in hindsight, after what's happened, I'm very glad that I had those moments with my dad out in the woods, but he would wake me up at, like, 3 in the morning when it was pitch black out. Oh, yeah. And we'd get in the car, we'd drive out to the woods, and then we would walk into the woods in the pitch dark. And uh, one thing you learn about hunting when you really do it, and hunting's a big part of the Far Cry franchise, is that the more people you have, the better it is. Because my dad was so desperate for me to kill a deer. Because he, hmm. he assumed that once I finally killed one, that I would get hooked on hunting, and then it would be something that he and I would do forever. And uh, Instead, so, you just started skateboarding with deer. <laughs> exactly. And... <laughs> That's the funny part. Like, so what he would do was he would sit me down in the holler, as he called mm-hmm. it, and there was a, this place we'd always go hunting. There was an apple orchard down in the valley. And, uh, of course, deer love apples. So he's like, you sit right here, and you wait. And what he would do is he would walk up on the ridge overlooking the valley, and he would make a lot of noise with the idea of, Flushing all the deer down the hill, down to me in the apple orchard. It never worked. Literally <laughs> never worked. Usually what would happen was I'd sit there for two hours and then I'd fall asleep. Mm. And in fact, one time I woke up and a squirrel was jumping over my legs. While I was 
So it never worked. But then one time we went hunting in bow season. And yeah, I could shoot a bow, believe it or not. And uh, we took three guys. And three guys went up on the ridge. And I sat in that same exact spot. And like five deer came down. And we're like, I missed the deer totally. My dad never forgave me for it. But yeah. it totally worked. Like the more people there were, the, no the more noise you could make. And the higher the chances were of sort of herding the deer down to where you could kill them. And as someone who has hunted, that is a mechanic that I would love to see in a game like Far Cry. Mm -hmm. So I, I get what you're saying as far as the sweet spot being too probably. But I think if, if they were to ever kind of take a more serious angle towards the actual hunting element of mm -hmm. it. And with this game in particular, because it's set in the Montana wilderness, I feel like that was maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity to make the hunting in the game mm -hmm. a little more compelling. Well, I think um, like I was, you know, uh, rumors had this set in the Old West uh, originally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, obviously it's not. Uh, as the P-51 and the modern yeah. machine guns uh, show. But um, I, do, cars. I do feel you can <laughs> um, you can sometimes sort of get a, a feel for where this... Because inevitably there's going to be some spin-off yeah. game that, you know, a weirdo spin-off game that reuses the map. You're just right. like, yeah. Just like Blood Dragon did with 3 yeah. and Primal did with 4. And I think you can kind of get an idea where they're going on with, from the animals because they always reuse the animal stuff you know like they retextured all the elephants in, a, in the mammoths and like you know right. put, put, put some fur shaders on those suckers and you're, you're in caveman days yeah. so I think the animals in this game will lend themselves instantly to an Old West game so I wouldn't be surprised if the spin-off goes Old West and I think that setting also would be a good place to test out the idea of a, of a larger number of players with a more detailed hunting simulation idea. Yeah. Because that would be a very big part of frontier life in that era, and I think that would be a, a, like a fun way to, to tackle it. And to be honest, you know, there are tons of hunting games. We don't curate oh, yeah. a lot of content for them on Sifted because a lot of people just simply don't care. But as we go out and our travails of scouring the internet for gaming content, there's a lot of like indie off-brand hunting games, but mm. none of them ever concentrate on that. It's like... Yeah, the Cabela games seem to be pretty solidly single-player titles. Almost all of them. I mean, they're all single-player, so there's none of that kind of team element to hunting wildlife that honestly happens. This isn't just something that my dad and I did and his buddies did. This is what serious hunters do. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's one thing. And, and, and to be in the interest of full disclosure, I don't even hunt a lot in the Far Cry games. Like, I hunt enough to accomplish what I need to accomplish. If there's right. a goal that I, says go kill I kill this. exactly as many animals as I need to make the bags. Yeah, exactly. Basically. I'm not a I'm I'm not a hunter yep. in, in real or virtual worlds. Yep, exactly. And so I feel like if they were to at least put a little more focus on that part of the game, it might be something that I actually enjoy to do a little more and a lot of other players too. So mm -hmm. um, it at least would I don't know Offer a little more than just like, okay, next time I see a wolverine, I gotta kill it to, to make a bag to hold Those damn more wolverines, grenades. I hate those yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> Honey badgers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what do you think about uh, the rest of the game? They didn't honestly divulge a ton of information about mm -hmm. it. We got like, a, a couple of characters and, um, you know, clearly the setting, like we know, you know, it's a small town in Montana, which... Uh, uh, has a bit of a cult problem, yeah. um, or at least a cult of personality problem. Right. Um, I think it looks really good. It's is there some pretty. kind of a mechanic, though, with the animals, right? Where you can have them as like a sidekick or something? Um, I don't remember. I thought that. I remembered reading something about Maybe would, someone in chat After will... Primal, it wouldn't surprise me, because clearly, clearly that's part of the, the makeup now. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if you could have like a wolf buddy or something. Yeah, I'm a buffalo friend myself. Yeah, maybe someone in chat will uh, look it up real quick and let us know. But but uh, uh, yeah, I mean it, it looks 
like they're not tremendously evolving it from where it, you know you've got planes that seems to be the big yeah that's addition. really the big addition more than anything yeah and especially especially i'm i'm excited because i'm pretty sure it's a p51 mustang uh, on the cover and in the in the trailer, yeah. um, which is an awesome old World War II fighter. So there's more than just like kind of the standard sort of crop dusters that you would expect in that setting. Um, I hope that's because there's somebody in in the area who like is like an obsessive World War II like classic arms collector, and like that's where you get like your cool stuff from. Right. I'd be I'd be super into that. Well, the three characters they showed they showed a preacher. Mm. Uh, they showed the guy who probably is going to either sell or build the planes for you. Right. And they showed a female bartender mm. who is out for revenge. Apparently, the cult has taken uh, some of her family members hostage, or I don't mm. who knows exactly and why. The and the preacher is. Uh, I think, I think he's a Catholic priest, I believe, but he's got a gun in his Bible. Yeah. So, so, uh, <laughs> right here, we're seeing him right he fits, now, He fits actually. right in with, with, with the group. And these guys are allies, part of, uh, the, yeah, part of the quote-unquote resistance. The resistance. Um, so I'm assuming you're probably going to be taking missions from these people. Yeah, I feel like these are the people you're probably going to, you know, and I assume that they each have their own angle on how to deal with the cult. And, yeah. Um, and uh, what's, the, what's the, the father is, is the name of the, yeah. the main bag, the yeah. leader? Yeah. Um, Joseph. Yeah. And uh, so um, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, like in Far Cry 4 and the others were like, you know, you have to kind of choose between those NPC mission givers to, like, who's right. You know, and inevitably none of them will be right because, I get, or at least in Far, in Far Cry 4, one, actually one of my problems was, like, both people you were working for with the the Golden Dawn, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. They're both terrible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> was, you're right. It's basically, do you want to enslave everybody in a military occupation or do you want to enslave everybody in a drug trade? Like, yeah. pick, pick one. <laughs> I was like, uh, can't I just kill everyone? There was like, no lesser of no, those evils, really. No, it was just, uh, it was just, you know, it was either them or pagan men, and it was really just like flip a three-headed coin yeah. and <laughs> decide which one, which which one you'd rather be stomped under the boot of. One thing I will say about the Far Cry franchise in general is that it does an amazing job of creating compelling antagonists that you hate. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if they I don't know if them. there's any franchise that does a better job of creating villains. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I love Voss and uh, and Pagan Min as characters. I think they're tremendously underused. In, yeah, in actual game, like they don't show up much. Well, they're not cinematic games. That's right. the thing. And so, look, some people like that. Some people like that. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like you stumble around, and what you see is what you see. Uh, some people like more cinematic-driven experiences. I I tend to fall somewhere in the middle there. I think it depends on the genre that I'm playing. Mm -hmm. uh, as to what, And I think the the setting and the tone of the game matter for right. that, too. Well, that's why I think I think this setting and, and like premise are a really good idea in terms of addressing the idea that the, um, that the, the, the main villains, while they are compelling, don't really have a presence in the bulk of the gameplay. Yeah. But it, by making this kind of a cult of personality sort of driven by the word of Joseph thing, yeah. like you're going to have that element of that character present in all his henchmen and, and Because they're, it's a cult. Because that's and what so it they're is. just going so to... So it's all defined by... You know, and Pagan Min was a charismatic leader, but it, you, know, you still kind of just felt like you were fighting military guys. Yeah, yeah. You know? But like in this one, I can see it being like a, like a really pervasive you know, element in, in the game uh, in a way that ha it hasn't been in 3 and 4. I mean, that's kind of the idea behind a cult, is that the cult leader oh, yeah. convinces his quote-unquote followers to parrot and mm. essentially emulate everything he says and does. Right. So, so I think that's a, if that is indeed kind of the idea they're in their heads for this, I think that's a clever way of addressing one of the, one of the few shortcomings of this series in terms of how the villains are used. Yeah, I mean, and it could be the team 
addressing exactly what mm. you said. Like, a lot of complaints is that, like, hey, you have these great villains that I love to hate, but I don't see him enough. So maybe with this game, you actually will see mm -hmm. the bad guy a lot more. Uh, he's certainly prevalent in the trailer. I mean, yeah, I mean, Voss was too. And yeah, he, he's in the game for about ten minutes. You're right. Total. Yeah, you're right. And he was the star. I mean, certainly he's the, the cover boy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the debut trailer. It was pretty much all he's him. The cover athlete. I mean, I always remember the the definition of insanity. Yeah. <laughs> like for, until the day I die, I always remember <laughs> that from that trailer. So. You're right. In, in some ways, and they ways, know. Like, you know, and same with this game. The, the the centerpiece of the cover is the villain in yeah. this in this series. Yeah. In some ways, in the past, I mean, you could almost accuse the games of being a little misleading. I mean, mm -hmm. as much as they promote these bad guys, and then the limited amount that you actually come into contact. Yeah, the with The bad them. guy, like Voss, especially, and also you know, Pagan Men, probably even more so. They're very front loaded. Yeah. In these games. Like you, you get a big dose of Pagan at the beginning of. Far Cry 4, and then he sort of vanishes for a while, yeah. except for like, you know, people talk about him constantly on the radio, and people, you know, so I, I can see, um, you know, they're trying to make him a, a presence through it, but I don't think it really came through too well in Far Cry 4. This idea in Far Cry 5 feels like they'll be able to make uh, Father Joseph like a constant kind of thing that hangs over everything. Yep. All right, so let's get to the stuff that uh, is controversial. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I don't know where to begin really, on this. You're really getting a jump on, on this one. We've seen yeah. like, what, a couple trailers and a cover, and we're like, already it's like, oh my god, boycott, boycott. Well, I think that's why I mentioned in the intro is, you know, it'll be interesting to see if some of the more mainstream gaming websites actually tackle this angle, because... We're smaller, our audience is more dedicated, and even when people are angry on our site, they're very respectful about it. Except for some people this week, like hmm. we actually had to ban people from Sifted like the last couple days. Uh, I think we hardly ever ban anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but over the last couple days, over this game, we've had to ban several people. So there's certainly some ire around this game. If you go look at the YouTube comments for the debut trailer, whoo boy, man. <laughs> It gets real dirty real fast, and so it will be interesting to see if some of the more mainstream sites actually even tackle this angle of the game, but we're game face, and we're going to do it. So, seems to be a lot of Christians are up in arms over this. Mm. One, one, let's start with why do you think they're up in arms over this game? I don't know. Yeah. This, the whole idea of like a, like a cult leader, like a kind of a revivalist preacher sort of thing that that perverts, you know, perverts the word and makes it his own. Like, I feel like that's a pretty well-worn trope. Don't in... you also think, if you're a Christian, that you see these sort of, for lack of a better phrase, fakes. These are people who are abusing the faith to make money. Some of them are just psychopaths. Yeah. But I don't get the impression that the guy in this game is doing it for money. I think he's really he's a that far gone. Yeah, yeah. totally. And so this is real. I mean, this isn't something that Ubisoft has made up. This stuff happens. I mean, oh, yeah. the most obvious example, obviously, is Jim Jones with the yeah. Guyana tragedy. Um, and then you just, if you go down the, the ladder, you start finding these preachers that use rattlesnakes in their mm. sermons. And there's, there's also a lot of, uh, you know, in the sense that he's written his own, seems to have written his own book of the Bible or something yeah, like that. Yeah. The Word of Joseph. Yeah. Um, there's a there's some maybe some uncomfortable parallels to Mormonism. Yeah. Uh, which is you know that's roughly what happened it there. Is, yeah. uh, except the the massacring was more against the Mormons right. at the time, which yeah. is why they fled to Utah. Yeah. Um, so like I mean there, there's a lot of history behind the, not just like in terms of you know fictional stuff where it's like because I mean, it's also drawing from the kind of the 
the the tradition of kind of the crazy backwoods weirdos. Right. You know, there's some deliverance. Yeah, this, for sure. This, yeah, you know, uh, it's not as you know, is not swamp people kind of thing, right. but it's still kind of that whole. You know, look at these crazy backwoods hicks in this tiny town. People that, isolated that, from know, society, isolated from and, reality, or yeah. whatever. Um, which is like, you know, I'm sure that some of the, the the anger around this is kind of coming from that. You know, which has been a constant trend through the last presidential election: the idea that like people in the quote flyover country are not real people. They're not worth listening to. They're not right. people with real problems. They're just they just don't know what's really happening. Like, there's a lot of. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of attitudes uh, about that. It's, it's intensified, I think, on both sides after Trump won. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I have to believe that Ubisoft did not have any idea when they started this project how relevant it would be when yeah. it finally came time. Look, they're saying that, and we look, we both know that. You know, it takes two to three years. To make yeah, this game. game was this game was undoubtedly two three started ago. two or three years ago, and I believe 100 percent that it was set in the wilderness and it was maybe set in America. But it would not have been all that hard once they started seeing what was happening mm. with Trump for them to make a few tweaks here and there to kind of make it cater to that a little it's more. possible. So, so I mean, I'd it look, could have started as more of a deliverance thing and now it's right. shifted. I'm not more letting more. Ubisoft completely off the hook for this is what I'm saying. But I want to get back to Christians being angry over this game and how there are these examples of the perversion of their religion. Um, you would think that Christians would enjoy killing these people more than anyone because these well, people the whole, you're not supposed to kill people right <laughs> right but at least getting vengeance well, i mean ideally a, a, a christian is not a vengeful creature um i know but like i'm, t- I'm talking <laughs> if you you know there's commandments and turn yeah. the other cheek and i mean that's the whole you love thy neighbor as a basic thing yeah um but it means a video game it doesn't you know it doesn't matter like what you do in a video game but don't um, you think that this is to me, they, let's say they shouldn't enjoy killing these people more than anyone, but they should have more anger towards... A righteous outrage. Yes, toward, toward, toward these people, people more than anyone. Because people like the person, like Jim Jones and the rattlesnake preachers, they're the ones who give fodder for people who discount religion and say religion's ridiculous and you shouldn't believe it. They're the ones who give these people all the ammo, the people who pervert the religion. And look, full disclosure, I've spent tons of time in church. I w- had to go to a Christian church. I was forced to go to church two days a week until the day I turned 18. Mm-hmm. So Two days a week. Two days a week. I had to go to church on Sunday, and I had to go to youth group on Wednesday. So, was this, what was it? Was so it don't think or? I'm some guy who doesn't know what he's talking about. I've been around Christians. and, and like What every, denomination was it? It was just Christianity, like born-again Christianity or whatever. So, I was raised Catholic. I can still, I could do a mass for you right now. I haven't been to church in probably <laughs> 20 years, yeah. but I could do a mass, mass for you right now. I can recite like all four Eucharistic prayers, no problem. It's amazing how it just, it gets in there. And again, in the interest of full disclosure, I will say that the day I turned 18, I never went to church again. When it was, it was up to me to decide whether I wanted to go. And a big part of that was, look, there's lots of great people in Christianity. There's lots of great people in religion. But just like the rest of society... To me, there are just as many people who are nefarious as there are in every other walk of society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it came to my time to decide, I decided I didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Just put it out there so you guys have context for this discussion. Um, but I can't understand. Do you think it's more... But at no point have you ever assaulted a small town full of cult right. members. Right. <laughs> and I never will. <laughs> In the interest of full disclosure. Hey, considering where you're from, it yeah. may have been an option. So do you think 
that this outrage over this game is rooted more in Christianity or politics? Um, I, part of me says... I feel like what, a lot of people are using religion as sort of the beard for it. Right. I mean, to, to some degree, there's not a whole lot of difference between those two things right now. Yeah. Um, but, like, in terms of this, like, it's it's not... A, that's what I'm saying, I said before, it's not a, an outrageous or, you know, new concept like a like a, a christian pre i mean look at i mean even uh, some of the stuff in the preacher tv show adaptation you know takes that kind of tact on you know, attack on things i haven't watched that very much but i know in the original comic book there is a very similar thing going on with with uh, jesse custer's uh family like the, his his uh grandmother and, and all that like the same kind of thing um and it's just it's i think the you know it's it's the temptation to kind of um abuse that power because once you have power over someone in the in the form of being a religious leader you know i think even more so than a secular leader like you you kind of have this like say over what people believe the nature of reality to be the, the you know the spiritual reality of things and it must be i've never been a religious leader but it must be if you're the right or maybe wrong kind of person greatly tempting to abuse that power for your own benefit right um and I think that's a scary idea for someone who really is devoted to that religious, you know, life or that religious belief. Because the idea that this thing that's important to you has been the result, you know, or at least part of how you've seen it has been filtered through these people. And what, some of these people might have been fucking with you. Right. Like, that's a very scary idea. So, and a lot of times, if we're scared by something that fundamentally threatens our worldview, our reaction is to lash out and get angry about it. Yeah. So I think that's in, in part what's happening here. In part because, like, I think the trailer's really good. I it think is, yeah. I think the way they set this all up is not only just, like, compelling and, and you know, scary in places, uh, and also trading on probably what, what could be considered some simplified stereotypes yeah. uh, I mean, of, that's, of, of rural people. But it's that's like, pop culture in a nutshell. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it's a powerful image. And um, while I certainly think it's, it's uh, off base to think that this is Ubisoft's attempt to portray what Christianity is, because, clear, I mean, they're not even using the real Bible. It's, it's, right. The guy wrote his own, yeah. you know? It's clearly... We also have the fact that you have a traditional preacher right, going against, against them. these people. And it's, you know, you know it, it's tackling the idea of a, of a perversion of a power system, which is basically what Far Cry's about. It is, yeah. Since, I mean, it's the same theme. Three. Yeah. Arguably, too. Yeah. Um... And so that's kind of, you know, it, and now I think it's just the difference in some, in some way, the difference is it's home now. You know, it's, we're in America. This is, you know, it's, we're in Montana and we're seeing Americans. The and, first Far Cry game set in America. Yeah. yeah. The and the first Far Cry game in a long time where you're not killing brown people all the time. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, uh, this is a, a, a big shift in, is, in tone yeah. and setting, even if it's not a shift in theme. Yeah. And I think maybe another big part of it too is that, we're the targets in this. Yeah. I mean, as Americans, like you said, this is the first time you're not shooting brown people yeah. in Far Cry Or at games. least just like a, an exotic, you know, every other Far Cry game has been an exotic, you know, weird. Paradise. To, exotic yeah. to, a, to a Western American white person anyway. Right. Um, you know, far-flung tropical locations or, you know, the, the two was in Africa, three was, three was in tropical location, four was in Nepal and Tibet. Uh, and then the spinoffs have been in, in prehistory and a weird 80s car car computer cartoon movie. Um, and now, far, you know, and even the title, Far Cry. It's like, oh, it's out there. It's weird. 
it's Montana. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, like there's kind of this confluence of all these, like, you know, the, the trappings of the series combined with, like, the subject matter they've decided to tackle that, yeah, you're automatically going to get some, some whiplash from it. Um, it's a little more, you know, vitriolic than I might expect from that, but it's, like, it's the internet that's kind of what I happens. mean, let's, let, let's be honest. The trailer... It it I, I hate I hate try to never use this phrase because I hate it but tr- is a trigger. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that who cut that trailer in Ubisoft. I mean the song that they use, a lot of the sound ups for the NPCs. You can tell it was cut to create exactly what oh, yeah. is happening. They know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean. You know Ubisoft knew whenever that trailer went out that yeah. this was going to happen. Which is funny because when the when the when the, the the cover art went up, the key art went up, I saw a lot of people talking about like, oh well, you know, it's too bad Ubisoft's not going to actually you know tackle the real any real <laughs> issues or really talk about it. And so I'm like, what about that cover art makes you think they're not going all in on this thing? Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, I think that trailer indicates because the other the Far Cry's have never shied away from controversial material. Yeah. I, I would say. Um, certainly not three and four. I think Blood Dragon and Primal are less hot button issues to some degree. But the three and four deal with, you know, with uh, you know a lot of like ra- you know some racial and cultural clash issues, uh, the nature of power, uh, politics versus the good of the people. At least in four, I mean, four is very much about choosing the the, the least of three terrible ideas that no one around you has any say. In, you know, like yeah, yeah it's um, they're not happy games no they're not <laughs> like at, at all. all but that's what i like about them yeah i mean they're they're, they're uh well one of the many things I they're like game about. they're also games that you know people talk about you know i hate the phrase because it's just so like academic pretentious uh and as a pretentious academic i i resent that <laughs> um but ludonarrative dissonance yeah you know the, the the idea that what you're doing in the video game doesn't match up with what the game is about story-wise right like far cry always knows what you're doing is terrible yeah like the far the, the games always judge you in some way like and and a lot of times in a subtle way where they suddenly pop up and are like oh by the way let's not forget you're a mass murderer. But do you this think stuff. this is the antithesis of that, though? Because I don't, I don't think we know enough about about it to know. Because I don't know. We don't know who you're playing as. I yeah. Mean, you, can, you create your own character, obviously. Right. I think it's like said. You know, you create how they look and they're, whether they're male or female. So there's no set protagonist this time, unlike the previous games. Um, so, but like we don't really know where that character. One way or the other, I'm sure that character, whoever, however you create them, will be coming from a particular viewpoint, particular place, and we don't really know what that is yet. Are they a newcomer in town? Is, you know, is it going to be the, the the old trope of of somebody you know somebody breaks down in the in the in the rural town and now it's all crazy and they got to deal with it and they team up with the only good people in town to stop the cult leader? Or are you going to be a resident of the town that like resisted? Because uh, it sounds like Joseph's going around like his people are going around and they're they're taking the men and forcing them to be part of like kind of this little like army and they're taking the women and forcing them to be baptized in a river and you know if 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 the the, the tradition holds, probably forcing them to be some kind of harem for Joseph. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems like this town's getting terrorized by these people, but uh, so I could see you being sort of one of the last holdouts and deciding to go crazy. You know, I'm sure some horrible, th- if that's true, I'm sure some horrible thing will happen to your family in the first scene, and that's why you're, what your motivation is. But. On that note, are you surprised that so many people have kind of transferred the portrayals of these people in this trailer onto themselves? 
Um, because these people look terrible in this trailer. Yeah. It's not like there's any moments of sympathy or where you might have some sympathy towards the antagonists. Mm. It's pretty much wall-to-wall. These people are disgusting. You know, for, certainly, we don't have any indication that these people are or will be portrayed as actual human beings. Right. Um, and in fact, one of the things I'm most curious about th- in this game uh, is exactly the nature of Joseph's, I guess, philosophy. Like, right. Clearly, he's a charismatic, you know, revivalist-style preacher. Yeah. Um, like, a, like the tent revival kind of thing with a lot of guns and bloodshed mixed in. But... Um, like I'm real curious, like what the backstory of like what about his message was compelling originally? Because there's always like a, a core of like you know why did he catch on? Yeah. And so I'm interested to see what that will be because that that's going to have to be pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested. I, I think a lot of like whether one is offended or whether one is is uh, upset about the portrayal here is going to hinge on information we just don't have yet. And most of the reaction at this point just feels sort of like a knee-jerk persecution complex to me. Yeah, I was disappointed to so to see so many people look at the characters in this trailer and say, "Hey, that's me." Hmm. I mean, to me, that's what's happening here. Well, look, saying, if, you, if you've got the seven deadly sins carved on you with a knife, there's only you know you're going to see yourself in that guy with no shirt. <laughs> but trailer. that's what I'm saying. Like these pe- people don't have that. Presumably. Yeah. They haven't taken off their shirt. But they, you know, presumably they don't have that. And yet they still watch this trailer and said, hey, they're taking shots at me. Mm. I mean, I don't know. That that to me is scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not He's... wrong. I didn't... <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's weird to watch something and I seem to identify more with the antagonists. Uh, you know, as even saying that as a Star Wars fan, there's a lot of people that love the Empire, um, even though the Empire are Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, Tie Fighters are cool, but yeah. like, come on. Um, I mean, look, I don't, when I, don't I was really, a kid, I, I loved I Darth Vader. Oh, Darth yeah. Vader was my favorite character in Star Wars. Awesome. I got all the dolls of Darth Vader. I bought all his ships. Like, and mm-hmm. he was a bad guy. There's, well, there's but I was like thousands five, of people. Yeah, I but there's, I mean, there's thousands of people who dress up as stormtroopers for parades. Oh, you're and right. Stuff. Yeah. But it's like you. It's the cool look divorced from you're the right. philosophy of the, the reality actual, of what in, the character universe is. characters. Yeah. Um, but like, you're right. Like I don't. I don't know why you would look at this trailer and think like, hey, they're talking about me when they they're showing people dragging women and children out of out of houses and yeah, like, dunking I feel them like, in the river. Uh, yeah, um, I feel like the people should have a higher view of self-worth than that like even like when you start talking about the the intensely charged political climate that we're in like the people on one side don't look at like trump supporters like this like they disagree with their ideology they disagree on whether trump is doing a good job but they don't think that they're like crazy religious cult members like this i'm sure some people do right but we're talking about the extremes here right but i think i also think that if you are you know say you are a trump supporter it might be you know i think both the left and the right are kind of pretty well separated at this point especially because of how just you know repellent everyone on the most people on the left seem to find trump in general and how like dedicated a lot of the right seems to be to him. Yeah. And so it's just kind of you know the, the the gap has widened and I feel like if you're if you're a Trump supporter or someone on on the side that might find themselves reflected in these characters in the Far Cry 5 trailer, you are probably at least online more likely if you're going to come in contact with any kind of the opposition, you're probably coming in contact with the really, you know, radicalized one. You're probably right. coming in, in, into with the people that w- go looking for fights 
go to your you know right wing boards and, and sites and want to yell at you about how you're a crazy you know crazy psychopathic loon right. hillbilly guy. Yeah, it's know? like the old adage we've talked about a million times. And it's real. And it's people super, who are angry are much right. more vocal. Than... And it's super easy, I'm sure, if you're on that end of it to like just assume that the whole opposite everyone opposed to you thinks of you that way and they're all the same right yeah because you know but i think that everyone i think that's you're just right how the side how sides in anything i mean that i think you're right i think i've heard you i've close... heard you talk to sam about the patriots I, and yeah. I, <laughs> people do the same thing with with fans of anything yeah yeah and i think you're right i think the closer people on either side get to the fringe the more likely those are the people that you're actually right. being forced to interact. To keep with. the sports metaphor going, like when when you see like a like video of like you know you know NFL fans getting a fight at a stadium, what are you looking at? You're looking at the crazy the ones. The fringe, yeah. Yeah, there's there's twenty five thousand other fans for both teams on that at the, in that stadium that, that did not do that yeah. to each other. <laughs> you're right. You know. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting, and ultimately though, Matt, what do you think is going to be the impact on the game sales because of this. I don't know. Like, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch. It is. Like, um, because there was a couple people on Sifted that in the comments said, I won't give a dime to Ubisoft because of this. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's going to be a, a, van- but the va- the, I a vanishing say, minority. The vast majority were like, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like, at least as far as Sifted is concerned, that most people are like, wow, this is something new, something different, mm-hmm. something brave. I don't think anyone can deny that this is brave, whether it, it's purely a whole process of them to mm. make more money for the game. I'm not going to get into the motives of Ubisoft, but regardless, it's brave. It's a risk. Yeah, it's like, but again, like, you know, the subject matter, like, unless you go real weird on it, if you, maybe if you made a game where you were, like, playing as the Nazis, I might not be on board or something. You know, Which they just announced for Call of Duty World War II, you will not be playing as the Axis. Uh, even in the multiplayer? I don't know. They just said in the campaign. Okay, campaign, yeah. yeah. I mean, that makes it. You don't really want to... You don't really want a German side. I don't know if they'll let you play as Germany on multiplayer I read they either. were. It was, it was, really? Uh, yeah, it's Axis and Allies. Uh, you know, just German soldiers. I'm sure you're not playing as, like, the, the SS or anything. But uh, Or maybe. I don't you know. <laughs> probably, don't know. You're probably not going to be able to unlock the Death Squad outfit. That's right. what I'm saying. You know, like, it's just... It, it's bad taste. But, like... Look, I love the Far Cry games, and, like, I mean, the Far Cry 5 could be about going to Los Angeles and killing everyone in Los Angeles named Matt. Yeah. And I would still buy it. <laughs> exactly. Because I think it's fun. Yeah. Like, you'd, you'd have to go a lot further than this to cross a line for me. Yeah, same for me. Like, it could be all about going to some town and killing all the gamer, skater, DJ people. <laughs> and I'd be like, so what? Like, it's so funny how people get so bad out of shape over stuff, like... When they feel they're being threatened, they made and again, that game, it's not everybody. It's, yeah. If they made that game and didn't put you in it, yeah. that would be that would be a shame. <laughs> that would be a shame. Wow. Um, I, I I honestly talking about sales, I think it might help the game because I think it might activate people who maybe wouldn't even have cared about a Far Cry game to go buy it. That's possible because yeah. as one person wrote in the comments, for them personally, it was cathartic. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is my chance to get some insignificant revenge over people I disagree with. And again, you're kind of seeing them projecting one ideal across a large group of people, which I try to never do. So um, I think on the other side of that, though, you may find people that are like, oh, this is a game I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And maybe have become apathetic to Far Cry. And I think a lot of people maybe have kind of got that way. Because a lot of the settings, even though they're always different geographically... 
um, they still kind of have a similar tone to them. And this is a pretty big departure in a lot of ways for the franchise. Mm. So I think that in conjunction with the tone, the setting, uh, the antagonists, I think it might actually get a bump in sales. I think you may see people activated who have been sitting on the sidelines maybe to give this game another chance, uh, this franchise another chance where maybe they had bailed on mm. it in the past. I think, and also, like, personally, I think... I find this premise less uncomfortable than Fours. Yeah. Because Fours is so closely closely based on an actual thing happening in the world right. where people are dying and people's way, ways of life and, and peace of mind are in threat. You know, it's based on a very active political situation. There's been a, a, a factor for our entire lives, yeah. very much. Uh, the, the, the Nepal-Tibet problem. Um, as far as I know, there are no militarized cult leaders occupying montana towns so I mean, wait not there, that we know look, of. there are there's... i mean you did have the bundys taking over the right. uh, the government bill i mean that's that's a thing but it's like this is well beyond well i think i that think the nature. best way maybe you could describe it is that the topic for far cry 5 happens extremely infrequently it happens but mm. it's like once every eight years ten years or whatever the stuff in far cry 4 is happening right now it was happening before, mm. and it's going to happen into the future. It's something that occurs a lot more often, so I agree with you. It does sort of hit closer to home as far as knowing that there's a, a more consistent experience for the human mm. condition in that setting than there is yeah. for this. And at least to Far Cry 4's credit, it did not glorify any of it. It was not a, yeah. let's, have, let's have a fun, wacky romp at the expense of this idea. Um, but I thought that was a little more ooh, like you're really you're really going somewhere sensitive than than this is. I mean, but but people will disagree because they don't live in Tibet. They, they live, don't even they know what's going in, on. They live in the U.S. Right. Um, so I'm into you know it's going to be a long long road to the because this is what February 27th yeah. next year. Wait right? till the first gameplay comes out. Here's a here's a question. Imagine I mean the the, yeah. the, the marketing cycle for this game is just going to be. A circus. Yeah. Well, here's another question that's that's not as probably as controversial. Um, that I, I saw a couple of people asking. Do you think because we're, this is going to transition to inevitably this is going to come out probably pretty close to Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. Do you think that makes this game redundant in any way to the mainstream audience? Far Cry. Yeah. Are they going to think like shooting up shit in the backwoods is going to be like I only need one game where I you know, go to a rural setting and ride a, ride a horse and, and shoot people. First of all, a nice segue yeah. to our next topic. But, no, I, I don't think so. One, I would agree with that, but I've seen that question asked a lot. They're such different games. Yeah. I mean, they're both set in rural areas where there's hunting involved, mm -hmm. but that's pretty much There about... are probably bison <laughs> right. in both games. <laughs> uh, but that's a really about as close as they get, Other, I mean, otherwise. Yeah. They're open world. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a valid question, I think, in the sense, like Pactor said, where there's, you know, there's, there's the people that make these games 10 million sellers instead of 4 million sellers. Yeah. Are, you know, they buy one or two games a year. Yeah. And they're probably not going to buy both of those games in February and March, you know? Right. They're I think this only helps Far Cry, though, because mm -hmm. it does give it that talking point. I mean, look, this game... Yeah, it feels like if one of them is going to be reported on in mainstream media, it's going to be this one. Yeah. I mean, look, countdown clock, three, two, one, to Fox News running something on this game. And Anything other than actually covering the news at this point. <laughs> but it's going to happen, and Ubisoft yeah. is going to be... Crazy excited about that. They don't care if people are going to rail on it. Millions of people who probably don't even play video games are suddenly going to become aware of this game. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and don't underestimate the whole like, oh, if Fox hates it, I want it. Yeah, kind of, you're right. That, that There's that whole rebellion element of it too. too. It's like, oh, you say you don't like this? Well, then I'm going to go buy five copies and give them to everyone in my family. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now in America, sadly. That's just the way it is. Everyone's kind of vindictive and trying to get back at everybody and trying to get back at publications and television stations. And um, yeah, I mean, you can't discount that reflexive factor yeah. of the well, way hell, society this, is right now. Just uh, in Montana, just this week, the uh, the, the guy running for... Uh, yeah, body slammed a... Body slammed a reporter. And then got elected and the next won. day. <laughs> uh, well, I think a big part of that was that a lot of the votes had already come in before that yeah. happened. Yeah. But they did make like $100,000 in donations in the 24 hours following that. <laughs> what has happened to our world? Uh, the, the, it's become a sports match, basically. Yeah, it really like, has, like, yeah. People pick their sides and go. It's like soccer hooligans go, in go, Europe. Go team. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's talk now about, we already have been discussing it a little bit, Red Dead Redemption 2. It was delayed. Um, at first, it appeared as if the game was going to come before the end of March next year. Mm-hmm. Then a clarification eventually came where it said, oh, no, that is now in finan- financial year 2019. Which means it's coming out after March, and it could mm-hmm. come any period from then until the next March. Yeah. Um, does this have any effect at all on Red Dead's potential for success? Oh, no. Yeah. No. Rock, I mean, Rockstar is bulletproof. Don't you think it's actually... Well, I don't know, man. The way Q1 is going now for games... I almost feel like it would be better for it to come out around like the June, July, August period. It might. I mean, I... I don't think it matters when Rockstar puts his game out. It's going to be fine. Um, is it going to be as big as GTA V? Probably not. Um, but first off... It, but GTA V just crossed the 80, 80 million million barrier. 80 million copies of that game sold. I feel like Red Dead Redemption 2 is not going to make that. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not as, a, well, it's not it's not as universal. Auto. It's not yeah. GTA. <laughs> um, but I think it will do very well. Oh, yeah. And uh, For I mean, sure. especially if it looks like this. Um, and Which the, I, I don't remember uh, Rockstar ever putting out bull shots. No, like they generally, they generally, uh, they deliver what they show. And yeah. that was another thing about Far Cry Five and that also I saw like, a lot about is that people like, oh, waiting for the downgrade, right? But which I don't. That it's not like Far Cry Five is this like next level graphics destroyer. It's no, like, it, it, it looks it, good. No, it looks good. It doesn't look unreal or anything. No, or unrealistic. Like, yeah. But um, but again, like I can't. As much as I like their games, I can't fault anybody for having that attitude towards Ubisoft. I mean, yeah. it happens. Yeah. And also, we already saw that happen this year with Mass Effect. Like, there's a there's a there's a deep seated mistrust of the major publishers when it comes to their promotional materials. And I think particularly most, Ubisoft. Yeah, I think, and deservedly so. Yeah, I think they've earned that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll see. I mean, like, we you know, it says. Use you know used in in engine footage or like yeah. you made using the engine or something like that, which could very easily be weasel words for like yeah we rendered this in the PC version, you know one frame at a time and right. it's never going to actually look like this, but it'll look kind of close if you play it on PC with a 1080 or something. I like mean that's what it's done though, probably with like Watch Dogs yeah. and stuff before. So and I think you know it'll look fine. It'll look great on a Scorpio. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but this, like the screenshots they put up, is kind of consolation for uh, the delay. You know, for the delay, like some of that stuff, like the one, sh- there's one shot of um, uh, like it's just two hands holding pistols, and like I thought it was a photo. Yeah. Like Rockstar is really good at what they do, 
And like even with GTA 5, I mean GTA 5 on the last gen systems looked ridiculous. It really did. Like, yeah. I mean it looks great on the you know the the PS4 and, and modern the, you know, the ports to the next gen stuff. But I I remember loading that up on the 360. Like, how does it look like this? Yeah. How in the world does this game look like this? They so when I see those shots, I have no problem believing that's what that looks like on like a PS4 Pro or a, or a Scorpio. Yeah, I'm impressed with Red Dead too. But at the same time, because of Rockstar's pedigree of kind of pushing hardware to the limit, I'm a little disappointed in it. Not in it, maybe in this generation of consoles because mm -hmm. I feel like. We've hit the limit already. I'm not seeing new games that are being shown or debuted, and maybe E3 will prove me wrong, but I'm not seeing these games where I look at them and I'm like, there it is. There's the next leap. I think the last one that I saw was probably Horizon Zero Dawn the first time I saw it. Mm -hmm. That's the last game that I can remember when I saw it for the first time. I was like, oh, okay. Or maybe Uncharted 4. Yeah, like Uncharted 4 and Horizon would be the... the... The, the keystones for that, I think. Um, I think Red Dead 2 fits with them. I mean, I would, it, you know, in the end of the generation, I'm sure I will. I think it Red looks Dead. as good as those games, but those games were announced and both of them have been released. And this yeah. game is still conceivably nine months away. Yeah, well, I don't know if I'm quite ready to judge whether this game looks better or, or the same as Uncharted and Horizon. I mean, I'm compare it more to, to Horizon because they're open world. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm not quite ready to make that call until I see it closer to release in motion. Yeah. Or actually see, like, some gameplay of it. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of work to do. Rockstar rarely disappoints in terms of visuals. Yeah. Um, I'm not too worried about it. But I think you're right that this, this gen you know, these systems have been an incremental upgrade. Uh, I, I still think the PS4 Pro is probably what the PS4 should have been to begin with. Yeah. Um, it's not that I think it's incremental. I think what my issue was is that they got the most out of them right out of the gate. And I think that's a byproduct of these consoles basically just being PCs in a smaller box. When we used to have things like the cell processor, it's like, look at the games, or even the PlayStation 2 for that matter. Look at the games that came out when those consoles first launched, and then look at the games that were coming out at the end of their life mm -hmm. cycles. Like, the leap was just huge. Huge, especially PS2. I mean, right. you look at the launch games on PS2, how jaggy they were, mm. and then you look at what the PS2 did before it was sent out the pasture, and the PS3. I mean, they couldn't even get third-party games to run at, like, 30 frames a second at first on PlayStation 3. I feel like these consoles, they pretty much milked everything they could out of them. Look, that could be libraries, middleware. There's a bunch of factors that play into it. But I never really saw the progression this generation from the beginning to the end that I've seen the last two generations. I think that's good. Yeah? You think like, getting the most out I, of it right I away? I would rather have the early, the first half of the system's life not have shitty looking games yeah. and have it all be a more consistent thing. But do you think, though, because if I think back to those other generations, those landmark or keystone games, as you called them, would inspire new people to go buy them. So there was always, there was like this one game that came out, you're like, oh my god, this game looks so incredible. Even in like the 2D consoles, like, the, like mm. Donkey Kong Country, when it came out, people were like, holy crap, like, I can't believe this console can do this. It creates sort of this wave of hype and interest in the consoles that can re-energize people, and by that time the consoles are cheaper. I think and Red that's Dead is where you, still going to do that. Yeah? Yeah. Like, you think Red Dead will sell consoles? Yeah. People that haven't bought one by now will go buy it just to play Red Dead 2? I think that there will be some, yeah. Huh. I, it's going to look pretty amazing. So. 
I think it will. It, it does look amazing. You can see it looks amazing. but It's going to look amazing, and also, it doesn't look like anything else. True. Well, other than Far Cry 5. <laughs> well, it's not, it's, Far Cry 5 is not old. It's old we were just saying, yeah. like, earlier about how you said, like, can you differentiate, will people be able to right. differentiate between the two games? I think they will. Um, but there's just been people concerned about, you know, I guess rural versus rural. And like, right. You know, it's, it's the American sort of West. It's yeah. The pla- I mean, it's the Rockies more in, in Far Cry. It is, yeah. Um, but I think, you know, this Red Dead's advantage is that it doesn't look, the setting makes it look unique. Yeah. And uh, unless, a, you know, a sudden influx of Old West games shows up by the end of next year. Not happening. Uh, I think it's going to, you know, be able to kind of stand on its own. Uh, in a way that others don't. And the fact that it's a different environment than we're used to seeing is going to make it look better than it you know, maybe does from a, a pure technical standpoint. Also, remember that the millions of people that make these games a hit don't quite know what they're looking at the way you do. No, you're right. So They're not going to see the, the similar technical processes that are happening. They're just going to be like, wow, that cow looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So to sum it up, we both think... No impact on the game's success because of this delay. No. Actually, I think it might help it because it's going to make the game better. Yeah. It's it going to have better reviews. Um, I it think, can only help, really. I think Rockstar is insulated from something that a lot of the other publishers and in, in developers in the industry deal with is the hype cycle. So a lot of publishers, whenever they, they show a game for the first time, they already have this elaborate plan, marketing plan, essentially, for what's going to happen for this game. They say, okay, at month two, we put out the first gameplay trailer. At month three, we put out the first developer doc or whatever. We start doing our series of developer docs, and then they start ramping it up. Then they take it to the gaming outlets, and they play it with the gaming outlets and do Let's Plays with them. And then they put out the launch trailer, and then it goes. Rockstar doesn't really do that. Like mm-hmm. It just kind of plays its own game. And so I think maybe... Games from other publishers and developers might be hurt a little bit from something like this, but I think with Rockstar, it's bulletproof. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to give a really talented team more time to po- further polish the game and make it even better so that ultimately it gets better review scores, which convinces more people to buy it. So um, I think we're all upset that we're not going to get to play it this fall. I think everyone was excited to play it. I was pretty sure we weren't going to yeah. be playing it. I mean, look, but... neither one of us drafted it in our fantasy draft. Yeah, we We've been burned before, especially by big games like this oh, yeah. so i think i even said somebody uh somebody uh scolded me i think on the on the, on the message boards for not picking red dead 2 right and i said i'll pick it next year yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which right. which actually was probably more of a burn than i intended it right, to be right, but yeah. it's just like it was like yeah it's not coming this yeah, year yeah. I, we all knew that uh, i don't care what the tweet said well i mean it, it's hard to assume it wasn't coming because the game has been in development for like seven years it's rockstar but still until i see an actual day i don't yeah. believe it when they say a day when they say an actual month and day i thought this one had it. an exact no, date it was in 2017 oh really it was never a month and day i thought there was no okay. that's why i didn't believe it yeah when rockstar says month and day they make that month and day yeah but well, I don't think that's true, actually. I think Rockstar has missed... delayed a ton of games. I do recall... Was, was GTA V pushed? It, like, three times. Like, like, a couple of times? Yeah. Like, 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 a, like, weeks out Yeah, pushed. it's been... Rockstar delays games, even after it's yeah. announced the release date, for sure. But, but I knew... But, you know, that's... I think you got a better chance when that date is announced. But when they're just saying, like, oh, it's this year. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I was more... I'm more sure we'd be playing Xenoblade 2 this year. Yeah. yeah and I, I don't believe and that And I don't either. believe that either. <laughs> I think in maybe another year, 
not 2017, this would have been more devastating. But this year has just been so amazing for games. Yeah. There are Although, so many great ones still coming. Well, I don't know. Like, I was looking up like release dates. We don't really have a lot of release dates for the fall. Like, for October, November, December, we got four games we know dates for. Yeah. That's it. We know Battlefront 2, Call of Duty World War 2, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, and one more I can't remember. But there are but like, dozens like listed as Q4. Well, there's yeah, but you know, there were dozens listed as Q4 last year, and they ended up being Q1 this yeah. year. Q1 is the new sort of oil pan of the Christmas shopping season uh, release dates. So I'm sure some stuff we'll miss, and I'm sure there's tons of stuff we don't know about yet. But I would, I mean, we've already probably in the first half of the year gotten about a whole year's worth of great games. Yeah. Um, so anything else after this is just gravy and Mario. Yep. That's the cherry on the top. Yeah. <laughs> of the cherry gra- on the top of, of the, the gravy. gravy. <laughs> mm. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Beyond Good and Evil 2. I think we've talked about this game three times on this show throughout two years. Yeah, a few times. It's one of those, it's an enigma. It's one of those games that just keeps popping back up in the news cycle. And Michelle Ansel, he's tossing gasoline on the fire once every three or yeah, four we months. Had the, we so. had the, the, has it been ten years yet since that game? When did that game come out? That yeah, was- I think it has. Yeah, because that was on the GameCube, wasn't it? Have you noticed that Michelle Ansel is his own marketing department? Yeah, a little bit. He does yeah. not rely on Ubisoft corporate to announce anything about his games. He handles it all on his own on like his Instagram account. Hmm. Like People start saying, oh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 is canceled. It's never coming out. And he just posts like three screenshots of it on his Instagram. Um, what's the other game he's working on? Wild? Is that Wild. what it's called? That's not Ubi, is it? I don't think so. I think yeah. that's an indie game. It's his own thing. Yeah, but he promotes that all on his yeah. own. Like, he just seems to be completely rogue. And look, if there's one person at Ubisoft that deserves to pretty much do whatever the hell he wants, yeah, it's Michelle Ansel. He pretty much built that He place. built that company. Yeah. yeah. The house that Rayman built, essentially. Um, so, this week, it comes out, no Beyond Good and Evil 2 at E3. Do you think we're ever getting this game, Matt, regardless of what Michelle Ansel says or posts on his Instagram? I think probably, uh, eventually, one day. But, like, will, will we be alive then? I don't know. <laughs> like, will it matter? I don't mean, like, look, I really That's like what I'm the, really wondering. I really like the, the original, but it's like, that was, what, like 2004? Yeah. 2005? Might be, let it go. And see, that's what I'm starting to wonder if Ubisoft is saying to itself as well. It's mm-hmm. like, look. Like, how do you even, like, pitch that? And, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, you're releasing this thing. Do you even call it Beyond Good and Evil 2? Because how many people are going to remember there was infer- there's a 1? I know. Especially... And then they it have, sold like crap. And it sold the, like 100,000 copies across all platforms. Well, then you have the problem that, like, the first one was a cliffhanger. Right. And then they did do the, the re-releases on Xbox Live Arcade and such. But I remember having the problem where, like, you, you uh, the engine can't invert the sticks uh, individually. So if you invert Y, which I always do, mm-hmm. you also invert X. Oh, geez. Which makes that impossible <laughs> to do. So it's, um, like, I think they would have to do a full overhaul and remaster of the first game, or this sequel would have to be basically a retelling of the first game and then a continuation beyond it. Which, like, I just don't see Ubisoft wanting to do any of that. Can you rationalize putting this game out now? I mean, look, no, I understand no, Ubi's point, neck deep in debt over this game because it's been worked on forever. Right. At this point, it might just be a running gag. I don't know. I mean, that, that footage did leak a couple a few years ago of, like, Jade running around on rooftops and stuff, and that looked pretty cool. Yeah. But it also feels like 
no matter what they do, it's going to be an also ran and a disappointment. You know, it's like you're in Shenmue 3 territory now. It's like, even if this happens, how do you possibly please all the people that have been waiting 15 years for this thing? I think that's a great point. And I think that may be what this game eventually comes to. Is Michelle Ansel being on stage at a press conference and saying, hey, we're going to crowdfund the development of this game because I just... You know, especially with the stuff that Ubisoft has said recently about fewer releases, building all their games as a platform mm. that are living, breathing things that people... Like, yeah, this game doesn't doesn't lend itself to that at all. It really... I mean, look, we don't know. I mean, you could but... make it like tack a multiplayer mode on it, but that's not what people who love that game wanted. But there's not enough people who love that game to matter. Right. <laughs> it's like, that's so my point. You... The first game, it's... It's been romanticized by people mm-hmm. because it, the people who did play it really loved it. And it was different and unique. But the fact of the matter is what I just said, 100,000 copies sold across the three yeah. platforms in one month, the first month. Like, I honestly don't think we're ever going to see this game, at, unless it ends up being what you said where they, they're just like, okay, we're not going to do this, but if the people want to pay to get it done and we can crowdfund enough money for it, I mean, I'd be kind of up for that, at least so we could stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, at, at a certain point, you're like, just do it or don't. Right. And, like, I it's still, you know, we're watching... Would you have said that about Shenmue 3, though? Yeah. Yeah. Like, do... I, 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 it's like a... I mean, before Shenmue 3, the Kickstarter and everything happened two years ago, I remember I would routinely say, just, can you, can you either do a kick... Can you do a Kickstarter for it so either it can happen... And we can stop talking about it, or it can fail, and we can stop talking about right. it. Right. Like one of the, like, just move on. And like, speaking of Shenmue three, as, as someone, that game's going at a glacial pace. As someone who has you know multiple copies of both games, has played them end to end multiple times, and has a signed by Yu Suzuki poster of the <laughs> of the second game on his wall. Do it or get on, or you know, move along. Like it, it, it's. It's, it, it gets ridiculous after a while. Yeah. Beyond Good and Evil 2 is hitting that point for me, even though it is one of my favorite games of that generation. Um, and I love it. Again, I've, I think I've, I've talked about it before, where I love kind of that French sci-fi comic book aesthetic and sensibility that nothing else quite has. You see it in, like, Fifth Element. You're going to see it in Valerian and the, the City of a Thousand Planets coming out this, this, this year. Uh, Mobius... Uh, the art, the comic artist like captures it probably better than anybody else. And Beyond Good and Evil definitely uh, is a descendant of that that school. Yeah. And uh, I really, and I think that's it's it's uh, unfortunately rare in almost all media, but especially video games. And I thought it was really cool to see it in this game. But you know, if it's if it's not going to happen, it's not. If it sell, sells that many, you're probably not going to want to devote 15 years to making a sequel. Against Ubisoft's wishes, or I don't know. Like, I just don't I, I, see it happening. I, I don't. You know what I want to see more than Beyond Good and Evil Two? Like an in-depth documentary about the making of Good Beyond Good and Evil Two. Because, right. Like, yeah, you're right. There's got to be some stories in there that's better than whatever they're coming up for up with, with for this game. Yeah, and you know, kind of taking that analogy to Shenmue Three a step further, I don't think a Kickstarter for this would succeed. It would surprise me if it did. I mean. To be fair, I would have said the same about Shenmue 3. I always thought, really? I, I thought a Kickstarter for Shenmue 3 would would fail as well. I don't really? Think, I, don't think, I, I never doubted that that thing was going to go through the roof. I don't think Shenmue sold all that much more than Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah, but I'm just talking about the cultural cachet that Shenmue has. I mean, it was True. the first open world game. It was a Dreamcast classic. A lot of people love the Dreamcast. Certainly, uh, the idea of continuing Shenmue was, was, is brought up well, you know, before the Kickstarter. It was brought up more regularly than oh, Beyond yeah. Good and Evil 2. For sure. Yeah, um, I think they should just can this project. To be honest with you, I don't. See I think they why should they just stop talking it about it until they release it. 
Well, I think maybe like, this was teasing. prompted by a question. I don't care who yeah. asks you questions. <laughs> if, if you don't have a release date, shut up. Or they should just say it's canceled. It makes no sense. Just stay quiet until you have something to show us. Yeah. All right, which, let's move which, on. Which will also tie into something later in the show. Yeah. Uh, next, we're going to talk about a game that uh, may surprise some people that we're going to talk about it. But uh, I have another a... one I didn't think that we were going to see. Yeah, here's another one. Actually, that last topic segues nicely into this. So, what the hell? It was announced this week, kind of offhandedly, that a sequel to Seaman is coming. Yeah, I don't... Or <laughs> well, some be... people like to say Seaman. It's not going to be the same without Leonard Nimoy to tell me my Seaman is cold. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, look, I played this back in the day on the Dreamcast. Yeah, so did I. And, um, Maybe we should explain to people. Some people may not even know yeah, what this it's, is. It's, so, a, it's a weird one. Seaman was a, a game for the Dreamcast where when you bought it, it came with a microphone peripheral that snapped onto the Dreamcast controller. And what you basically did, using very simple controls that you're kind of seeing right now, and your microphone, is you talked to Seaman. And it's a it's a virtual pet simulation. Yeah. At first, you, like you're seeing this here, you have to put an egg in the tank, and the egg hatches, and a bunch of little tiny seamen, a bunch of seamen comes yeah, out of come it, come out, and they, and they and they all swim <laughs> around, and they. The, my, my, one of my favorite memories of this game is because you talk to them, and early on, like there's you know they're just little babies swimming around with with you know little Japanese man's faces on them. Yeah. And <laughs> it's uh, so bizarre. And you they can't talk because they're babies. And you can talk into the microphone and be like, hello, and hello, and da, da, da. And they will, you know, they'll sort of babble back at you. They'll be like, ba 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 And then they'll and eat then, each other. Right, they do eat. But, but at one point, <laughs> when I was trying to, you know, I would sit there and, and yell at them to make them do, because it's real time. So, like, you, yeah. you, you, know, you, you have to basically come back each day and, and do what you, you know, maintain the tank and Yeah, it's, and on, the, it's on the system clock and yeah, everything. It's, so it's, you can jimmy that. You can go you in. You can jimmy and, that, but it's, like, essentially, like, you're talking about a game that you play about five to ten minutes a day. Yeah. And so, like, I would get impatient, and I'd be like, yeah, I remember yelling. Yelling them like speak English, speak yeah. English, and at one point, one I never got them to do it again. One of them turns to the camera and goes, because they go, and one of them turns to the camera and goes, why do Americans think everybody in the world should have to speak English? Yeah, <laughs> and like swims away, and I'm like, what? Like, this it, game had lots of moments like that. That I one, mean, my other favorite one was uh, early. Eventually, it asked you like information about yourself and yeah. starts talking to you regularly, and it asked me where I was from, and I, I said San Francisco. And he says, oh, yes, the San Francisco Bay Area, where the people are guaranteed to be 20% more genuine than anywhere else. Yeah. And I was like, and, like, you could do that for, like, any major metropolitan area in the, yeah. in the, in the country, and he would have some kind of stereotype or, or like, commentary on I mean, the, the yeah. amount of dialogue in this game was insane. It really was, especially for a Dreamcast game that was on yeah. just basically a DVD to hold all that voice work and everything. And like, and it was intensely strange. And the seamen would like have sex and kill each other and eat each other. And and was... seaman was an asshole. Yes, I mean yes. that's really the bottom <laughs> line. Like he was a jerk. Like it was it was a very weird experience because I found myself drawn like you to go back and play it every day, and then just get abused. Like yeah. he would just degrade you, call you names, make was fun even, of you. But it was even creepier when he was happy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the whole game's creepy. I mean, and there was a sequel to it. There uh, was. There was. It didn't come here. Oh, I wasn't um, even aware of but that. But it was like it was like a caveman kind of. Thing. Oh, same idea, different. But it was called Seaman, I think, or it, it was definitely the same team. Man, I'd have to look that up. Chat can find it for us. They're great at that. Um, 
But it was it, there was another game in this. Like, I think it, it would be considered the series, uh, and it just never came here because this. Shockingly, this did not sell particularly yeah, well yeah. in the West. <laughs> Um, I can't remember. Did it cost it w- more because of the microphone? No, I, I can't don't remember. Think so. okay. uh, but it, it might have been like sixty instead of fifty. Yeah, I, I think remember. maybe it might have been a little more. But um, and of course, it was uh, the the narrator who would greet you every time you loaded the game up was Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, who which was R. like R. what? Like yeah. <laughs> like even at the time that was weird. And it was just Leonard Nimoy very calmly telling you all the things you needed to know about your seaman. <laughs> About your semen, and uh, you know it was it was a it was certainly a singular title. Oh, yeah, this is it the, should have been a singular title. Here, here you see uh, this is the Nautilus shell mollusk that will eat the seaman egg, and later on the seaman the baby seaman will bust out of him like an alien. Yeah, like it is a it is an oddly violent game. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Do you think they needed to make a sequel to this, Matt? No, but it's like, why not? As long, I mean, I know Sega said they're like, you know, they're they're starting kind of a new initiative to bring back a lot of their classic franchises. When they said that, this was not one yeah, of the franchises that, that entered my head. <laughs> I think um, the first one was like Streets of Rage. Like, are you bringing back like the beat 'em up? Like, I never would have dreamed it would be Seaman in a million years. <laughs> and the other question becomes too. It's like, I guess I guess the good news for them is that they could put out the sequel. They don't have to worry about everyone having headsets and that type of thing. Because yeah. everyone's got them now everyone to play online or whatever. Now. And even like most like even the Wii U had like a mic built into the gamepad or whatever. I think they should do the do a remaster of the of the first one as well. Just just for the hell of it. I mean it can't be that tough. Maybe a smart place to release this game would be the Switch. Except you have to talk to it through your phone. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying the audience on Switch might be more open to it. I feel like a lot of Nintendo fans are just old school gaming fans in general who will remember the original and have fond memories of it. Because despite the fact that I got berated every day by Seaman, I still remember it. And it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam is just dying over here. <laughs> berated by Seaman every day. I still wanted to come back for more. Ha ha. <laughs> um. He was, Shane was real salty about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I just think that that audience, the Switch audience, is more likely to, one, remember it, and two, actually give a crap about a sequel. But overall, I would say this is pretty insane that they're making another one of these games. Yeah, I feel like you probably just want to put this on every platform imagine. And have a hope of just, maybe just, recouping whatever yeah. you put into it. I mean, it's like normally I would say, like, oh, the Switch probably doesn't have the user base installed to like really make this a hit but it's like i feel like a hit for seaman would be like fifty thousand copies maybe copies like. sold. <laughs> i don't know i feel like for games like this where there's minimal built-in interest that if you make it an exclusive to one platform it kind of gets elevated a little bit at least as far as uh, visibility is concerned mm. and couple that with the fact that a lot of people buying switch are some of the older players who I resonate would, with older games it's like I, the thing is like i would pro- i mean i would probably go like a rocket league strategy with it like give it make it like the ps plus giveaway mm. the month it comes out to try to just get people to try it you yeah. know but then you know the reason that worked for Rocket League is because it had the the DLC and the microtransactions and the and the, the cosmetic items. Yeah. So you'd have to kind of come up with a way to make Seaman like a, a, a DLC platform beyond that, uh, which is possible. Like, you know, you could you could absolutely do that. Um, uh, hopefully, it would be more of a you know customize your Seaman. 
as opposed to, um, you know, you have to buy eggs or you have to buy, you know, necessary things to keep them alive because that would be kind of stupid. Yeah. But uh, I, I think like something like that or at the very least like a bar, you know, a $20 game, like, like make it, you know, keep the price low. Like this is not a $50 no. game. Like, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. It was back then when it was a new idea. I mean, to be fair, I, I, I didn't regret buying it because I did think it was weird enough to be enjoyable. And I used the microphone a lot for because right. shortly after they had uh, actual voice chat online. You know, yeah. Alien Front Online and Out Trigger and There's all that. So I, so, I, yeah, so I used the, the, the microphone. Like, it was, it was absolutely a good purchase. Um, but once I, you know, once you, he, he grows up and basically becomes like a frog creature. Yeah. And then at some point he kind of hops away. And you can load up the game and talk to him still. But after kind of that, the game is over. Right. And I think that was, that was the end of that. I never loaded it up again. Although I've occasionally considered loading it up like now to see what he says like 17 years wouldn't later. Wouldn't it be interesting? Where the hell have you been? Wouldn't it of? be interesting if they had the foresight to program something like that in there where... If any game did, it's this one. That's it. Because yeah. it did consistently surprise with stuff like... At least me. It yeah. did consistently surprise me with stuff like that. Even like stuff like you'd load it up and it would have like some kind of historical fact about on this day 100 years ago this happened. And it's right. Like, it it was just the sheer volume of variety, and people. You know, I knew two other people that were playing it at the time, and we never had the same stories. Right. And what if, like, it was just smart enough to, as it's wrapping up development, just take things that happened in those two months and then program it in so that it looks at the date when you boot it up again, and it says. 17 years ago today, blah, blah, blah happened. And it really just happened like the month the game came out. Mm. <laughs> Do some crazy stuff with that. And I would not put it past them. So we'll see. Are they uh, crowdfunding this game? Or are they just doing it? I think they're just doing it. Yeah. Couple... That's a big mistake. A <laughs> couple gonna... people in here are saying it should be PlayStation VR. I have no interest in doing VR with C1. <laughs> like, they must not... have never played the original. That would be terrifying. <laughs> Imagine what he's going to look like with the graphics the way they are now. Jeez. It could really be terrifying. <laughs> Completely and utterly. Like a photoreal seaman is not really something no. <laughs> I think we need. Definitely not. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about a couple huge delays from Square Enix. Actually, I don't know if it's fair to call them delays because we never really had a release date to begin with. But mm -hmm. it was announced this week that both the Final Fantasy VII Remake and Kingdom Hearts 3 will both be delayed, will, will, will not come out for a few years. Mm -hmm. What the hell, Matt? Square. Dude, they've already been working on these games for how long now? The remake was announced, not last E3. Two years ago. Two years! Mm -hmm. And this is episodic. Final yeah. Fantasy Seven, the Final Fantasy Seven remake. Well, if you've been following kind of the interviews that they've been doing about both of these games over the last couple of years, like it's been very clear that they don't have anything done yet. Like the remake got the Final Fantasy Seven remake. People were kind of basically saying, I don't remember what the, the was it Nomura. I don't remember who it was, but basically he was saying like, yeah, what we showed at E3 for the announcement was basically all we had, and we're just now sort of finalizing what it's going to be, and that was like a year ago, and. Earlier this year, or, or late last year, there was an interview with Nomura about Kingdom Hearts 3, and he's like, we've got, like, one world done, and we're so, we know what, like, four of the others are going to be, and we're still negotiating for the rest, and, like, we kind of have an idea of how the story starts. And, like, like, it really was clear that, like, these games are years out. And why are they announcing them? Because they got nothing else to talk about, I guess. So that, that's what I really want to discuss here, is how soon is too soon to announce a game? And... I feel like you're making us wait five years for something. 
you're kind of being a dick. Yeah. Like, and also, and maybe like that was more standard issue business back in the day. Because like, you know. Was it? I mean, yeah. I mean, like what? Square announced Kingdom Hearts 2 near the end of uh, 2003 and it finally came out in 2006. Um, so three years is kind of like, was kind of the standard. This is long even for them. Um, but, you know, I think, I think in recent years you've started to see at least Western companies announce stuff the year it comes out or closer. You know, Microsoft spearheaded that. Uh, Bethesda has been doing a really good job with kind of, you know, keeping things immediate. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of the way it is anymore. Yeah, and I think that's the way... I think that's better, more or less. I mean, it's nice to know that Kingdom Hearts 3 is actually happening because it's been so damn long since they actually numbered anything uh, other than 358 over 2, whatever the frick. Yeah. But, like... Um, so, on one hand, it's, like, encouraging to know that, like, yes, Kingdom Hearts 3 will be coming. But on the other hand, it's, like... You, I mean, I, I was seeing people that, you know, when the remaster was coming out for PS4, they're like, oh, and then they're going to get Kingdom Hearts 3 out by the end of the year. And it's like, no, you're... Like it just makes people hope and then crash over and over and over again because they give give out almost no information and people just sort of assume a reasonable time frame for these things and that's just not always the case especially where Square Enix is concerned. Yeah, I mean they just announced this week that they're just now like doing all the hiring for the Final Fantasy VII mm-hmm. remake. They're like urgent hiring. It's like urgent. It was announced two years ago, dumbass. Well, they've like, basically been prototyping since then. I what? Don't, I don't think they even knew what it was going to be before that. And that's where I think it starts to get a little nefarious because how much of this do you think is pressure from someone like a Sony going to Square Enix and saying, "Hey, what you got?" Yeah, like what can we? I don't get? know. I don't because know how to call that about, pressure, but I, I I feel like they're kind of, you know at a certain point in that time period i feel like you know what does square have to show other than final fantasy 15 still coming yeah like that's all they got outside of you know leaving aside their western holding you know, yeah their outside studios are the ones um, that are really floating the boat so I, I so on one hand it kind of like i can see why if, you, if they're in that situation they're like okay just whip something together for like kingdom hearts and i mean final look fantasy this game VII. is obviously like it was playable two years ago well this part was i mean i think there is some raw gameplay of the game though it's like they clearly made something. Right. I mean, a little self-contained demo here. I mean, it's not like they didn't know what they were working from. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's a different beast from, you know, working out how all the combat works and how the game flows and what part one will be and part two, you know, and finalizing how it'll run and where things are. I mean, I, I kind of figured it would just sort of be, we're going to take, you know, because this clearly is using... Uh, some permutation of the old Final Fantasy 13 versus 13 uh, game. This is, yeah. It's very similar to the old versus does, 13 yeah. stuff. Um, which is, I figured they were just going to basically take that gameplay engine and that, you know, that combat system and yeah. sort of graft Final Fantasy VII onto it. Right. But clearly they're doing something else. I mean, I don't know why it's taken this long to make a game that's already been made. I know. It's, you know? it's well, I mean, like, it's a completely different game. Right. I mean, you have your scenario. But it's not, plot, but it's not but... like you have to, like, you know, start from scratch. You basically have to convert this classic game into a modern take on it. And, like, yeah, it's not an easy task. Yeah, that's But tough. it's not a five-year task. No, no, not at if all. If you've already got the middleware and the expertise. Kingdom Hearts 3 is all... I mean, I, I imagine the people that are most annoyed about the Kingdom Hearts 3 thing is Disney. Right. Because I think they really... They would like this property to be used in some manner. More often. And uh, you got to... It's also like if you're... Wor- okay, so you're working on this now. You've got a world that's like... The worlds that become relevant 
change pretty quickly in terms of what's hot and from uh, coming out of Disney. And like replaying the Kingdom Hearts games on the, on the PS4 HD Remaster Collection, like kind of drove it home that playing Kingdom Hearts One, I remember thinking like, wow, you know, for a game that's all about kind of you know merging classic Disney with Square, I at the time, which was 2002, I want to say, um, I was like, oh, look, all this stuff is too new to be classic. You know, they had Tarzan and they had. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had stuff that was a little too recent for me to consider classic Disney. Now it's like, you know, that that stuff is like, you know, 17 years old. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's totally classic. You know, Tarzan, totally classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, how's that going to work when you, if you start to work on something now and you're like, oh, there's going to be a Frozen world. Is that Frozen world even going to be relevant right. in 2020? Because there will be at well, least I mean, one, one sequel Disney, to Frozen by then. The one thing about Disney is that their stuff is timeless. Some of it is. I mean, most of it. <laughs> but that prior to the Caribbean world didn't hold up too well yeah. in Kingdom Hearts 2. I mean, won't say that much. Yeah. Also, how amazing... Well, they are putting out a new movie. Right. For, and it's not doing well. Yeah. And how, I don't think the last couple have done all that great. <coughs> now crazy is it that the Pirates series has been around long enough that there was a world for it in Kingdom Hearts 2. I know. It which was crazy. 11 years ago. I think it might be the journalist in me, the skeptical journalist, which I think most good journalists are. I don't think you should ever take things at face value if you really want to get to the truth. Um, I think that part of me, though, makes me think that there was something shady going on here with announcing that game two years ago. I feel like Sony was at a place where it's like, okay, we're winning, but we haven't reached that tipping point yet. What could we do? I don't, it wasn't even just Final Fantasy VII in that press conference. There was a lot of stuff in that press conference that was like, this is like the body slam, as it were, the finisher mm. for us. And I just wonder if there wasn't a little bit of some nefarious stuff going on there where Sony's like, look... I have a hard time I mean, believing I don't, that. Really? Cause yeah. do, I because I have a hard time believing think, Square Enix would have told them anything but this game isn't coming for five years. And if, and if you tell Sony this game isn't coming for five years... In my opinion, Sony should have said, "Well, then we're not showing it." I don't know. If, I don't know if they told Sony that. I see. I think. I, you no, really think they would have said, "Hey, they did not whip that demo up in like three months." That was not something that like Sony demanded them they show to make their their you know atom bomb press conference complete because you know I don't know about that because if, I, if it's what I you said if they use sure. versus for this and they just reskin everything that doesn't take any work at all. It takes some work. They no, got to they got to rig all those character models. They got to make it. Yeah, they got to. But they're already the rigged. Work. If you literally just reskin the characters, rebuild the characters, and well, just put them into a scenario you already had. Well, we don't know they did that. I don't know enough about the how the Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen guys were built to to know that. But a lot of this is using stuff that you see in Final Fantasy Fifteen. So I'm assuming some of it is reused. But that's still not an overnight gig, and you still got to pull people off other other things you're working on to eventually probably actually sell people. Uh, I don't really buy the idea that Sony demanded Final Fantasy VII Remake be at that press conference. What I think happened, what makes more sense to me given the time period and what Square had to work with, is Square was desperate to show something that would make people excited. And they decided to do this. And they just said, well, we'll just do that and we'll, we'll just like stall them until it's time to get it out. And maybe it was another case of Square thinking that some, one of these things is going to be done way before it was. Maybe they didn't intend it to be five years out. Maybe they thought it was going to be three years out, and they thought they would be making their emergency hire a year and a half ago. But for whatever reason, a lot of this internal development at Square's home office seems to take a lot longer than it takes anyone Anywhere else, else in the industry. Yeah. What is up with that? Why is that? I have no idea. Because it, you would... I don't think anybody knows enough about Square's internal... No, you're right. Like, working It's total secrecy. In to... fact, that is a documentary I would love to mm -hmm. see. 
Uh, we mentioned it before in the show, but Polygon did a great kind of behind the scenes with Square Era before there was Square Enix uh, feature. Um, but I've never seen like a video documentary on what goes on at Square. It's like, a weird. It is, you know, I mean, you know the other time... than Nintendo, it is probably the most secretive. And maybe Rockstar. Yeah, those three are kind of the They're most secretive there. studios. And in I mean, you the know industry. the story of me. You know, when we did the Kingdom Hearts two thing at TGS, and yeah. I went to Square with with Morgan. Uh, to interview Nomura. We interviewed everybody they had in exchange for interviewing Nomura. Right. And Nomura was hours late. And everybody in Square was super, super embarrassed, but like, and very nice about it. But we're just like, yeah, we're, we'll wait here until yeah. we talk, <laughs> talk to him. I mean, this is the big story is yeah. King of Hearts. And he shows up basically dressed as Sora <laughs> with the shoes and the wallet chain and the black shorts and the whole. And he's got a, sh- a little jacket on. And on the back is an embroidered diving eagle and it says, Death Before Dishonor. <laughs> On the back, <laughs> and my and my first thought when he walked in like that after waiting three hours for him was worth, worth it. it. Yeah, <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> that is crazy, but you're right. Like we have no idea what goes mm-hmm. on at this place, and I think a lot of people, your knee jerk reaction would be, "Well, they're perfectionists. They want to get everything perfect." But then you play the then game. You play <laughs> yeah, and you're like, "What were you doing right. all this time?" Like. Who thought Chapter 13 was okay? Yeah, I mean, somebody had to play that and say... <laughs> awesome. Who? Who did that? Someone who's afraid to tell somebody else the truth, probably. Yeah. And I think you see that. Probably the, probably the guy who just buckled down and made all that food look really good. Yeah, and I think you might... <laughs> I think you see that... You would probably see that across the industry a lot. People who are maybe QAs, who have... Aspir- it's not just a job to them. They have aspirations of moving up the chain... And as we've talked about before with corporate America, it's a very delicate balance to walk between being the person who says, hey, we can fix this, and not turning into the malcontent guy mm-hmm. that everybody hates. And uh, if your dream is to develop games and you got your foot in the door and you're doing QA, maybe some of these people are taking a little bit too of a softball mm-hmm. stance, afraid that they may be sort of pushed out. And there's out. also, you know, Japanese companies have, have a very, you know, yep. seniority-driven oh, yeah. uh, Company culture. Man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it may not be appropriate there to, you know, point out that something Nomura's doing is a bad idea. Right. Yeah. Unless, or, unless you're one of his peers and maybe they all kind of have the same terrible ideas. That, or maybe they just worship the ground he walks on. That could and be no too. matter, I mean, we've been seeing this in politics. Like, no matter what someone does, if people like that person enough, they're going to completely ignore stuff that they Although screw you would, up. You would think after the guy takes six years to make fun versus 13 and then doesn't. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. you'd think someone would be like, you know, maybe we shouldn't have him head all the projects. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that might be a good idea. Um, so, right now we're looking at, like, 2020 for these games. Yeah. A year I never even thought I'd be alive for. And that's not even, like, considering, like, maybe 2020 in Japan. Right. And, and then, then what? when we get the English version. Yeah. And then Final, Final Fantasy game. VII still got th- two more episodes to come. An episodic game. They can't get the first episode. Look, they said the episodes are going to be, like, the size of a normal <laughs> game. So, right, we're like, assuming a 15 to 20 hour experience for per episode. Right. I mean, I'm guessing the final, fa- the first episode of Final Fantasy Seven uh, remake, remake or whatever the call, hell they call it. Seven R. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing the first episode will end when you leave Midgar. Yeah, which is a pretty hefty chunk. It is. Yeah, of gameplay. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that would be my my guess as to be how a good cliffhanger to end it on as well. And then second, and then of course the the problem with that is so the first I think the first episode will take entirely place entirely in Midgar and you'll leave. The problem is that after that the game basically goes open world and lets you kind of roam around the planet. And I feel like that's going to take them another five to six years yeah. to make. Yeah. So, 
There's part of me. <laughs> Five to six there's years. Part no of me way. That, there's part of me that it's square. It's part. There's part <laughs> no of me. Who will care at that point? These consoles. Think, I mean, I'm wondering how much people will care. I mean, are we even going to have the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One in 2020? I mean, it's I mean, just, it's going to be at least the PlayStation Five. There may be Xbox Scorpio Two by then. Well, it's a good thing you know we're doing this new thing where you know games can be played on the next system up up. You know, moving forward, it's a good because thing we're otherwise, buying PCs you, now. yeah, because otherwise <laughs> you would never be able to play episode one. I know. Think about it. Because look, at this pace, we're talking. You know, if it takes them as long as it takes them to do some of this other stuff, that feels like it should be a pretty quick fix. Yeah. Like you're you're maybe looking at like 2030 by the time I they know. finish the Final Fantasy VII remake, which means if you were 12 <laughs> when the nuts. first one came out, you'll be, uh, wow, you'll be like 40. Something. Think about that. I mean, consider that like. If you were like ten years old when Kingdom Hearts One came out, you will be uh, yeah you'll be almost thirty <laughs> when three finally makes it. You'll be twenty eight. That's insane. And it's like that's really growing up with a franchise. Yeah, and it's like it's, at a certain point, it's like Haley Joel Osment is forty. Yeah, he can't keep voicing the sixteen year old child. <laughs> I don't know what's going on over at Square Enix, man. It just seems mind-boggling to me. Because you're right. They're not putting out... It's not putting out other games. Yeah. And it's like... You look at, like, the output we get from ev- almost every other studio on the planet. Two to three years. Two to three like, years. Just like Clockwork. Two to three years. Two to three years. And is Kingdom Hearts 3 going to come out and be that much better from a, from a no. gameplay mechanical no. standpoint than anything else that's put no. out of the, no. of the nature? Why, why would it? You know, how, Platinum puts out something with, you know, better combat... Every like twice Every a nine year. months, yeah. <laughs> and really they are crazy. not as big as Square. Well, they're not even remotely. in the same stratosphere as Square. There's, it's not even a comparison. So, I mean, we'll probably never know the real answers to these questions because Square is just never going to tell us. Square Enix was kind of candid about versus. Yeah, but like they also weren't particularly. They were candid, at the end. It was right. They were candid about like kind of. Out. Yeah, a little bit, but they were never quite candid about how it got there. Right. In the first, you know, it's like yeah. it's like okay, you had all these problems and you revamped it, and this became this, and this was this, and we reused this, and this became a thing. But we never quite heard the explanation of how we en- you ended up in that situation. We never, we never got the dirt, right? Essentially, like whose fault was it? Yeah, <laughs> that's what everyone always wants to know. No, it's like, oh yeah, the details are great. Whose fault was it? Who can yeah. who can I blame for this? Like something. Was it like was it Jerry? Yeah, in, <laughs> in accounting, in, in accounting, who accidentally <laughs> spilled fruit punch on the hard drive that had the bill. You had to or start over. The decimal or... point too far over, and yeah. the whole budget was shot to hell. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants to find someone to blame. That's just. It's seems to be our society in general anymore so yeah all right let's move on we're going to talk next about rhyme uh by now you guys have probably seen my gamey vow that's live on the site matt has also been playing the game so it's always a good mm-hmm. good to get kind of a second opinion on it um how far along are you two hours oh so have you made it past the first area yeah like i've gotten into the big the first big tower thing and like a little bit past. I to be I'll be honest. I fell asleep playing it. Um, so uh, and I never quite got back to it. So uh, take that for what you will. I didn't dislike it. Here's uh, the first thing I'll say. A lot of the stuff in the trailers for this game never made it into the game. No, I've noticed that. It's, it's <laughs> also, like, what, did I it. did I do something wrong, or is there no opening cutscene? There isn't. No. Because like, 
I mean, as survival schools teach us, when you wake up on a beach, the first thing you should do is run around and start yelling at the monitor. Dude, in fact, <laughs> everything that they've shown in this trailer so far is not in the game. That part is. Yeah, that part is. I recognize. And I recognize. But those I mean, there first are pigs. five or six scenes are not in the game. Mm. There's no climbing in the game. Yeah, you're right. They just showed him climbing cliff face right there. There, I mean, there's you, you, you grab go from a ledge handhold to handhold, yeah. but there's no straight up like Zelda like climbing in the game. It's crazy. Like I have not gone back and watched this since I played it to see all of this. That's not in the game. There's similar things to that in the game, but not from that. Not angle. the specific. This is not in the game. I've found dead ones of those. Though but... these objects are in the game, but that, that scene, scene is not in the game. This well, is, is it, crazy. Is, there, is this the old one? That the... scene's not in the game. I want to just sit and do this for the whole freaking trailer. <laughs> it's really bizarre. I'm wondering if this was supposed to be a much bigger project. Originally supposed to be a PlayStation 4 exclusive, by the way. Mm. Was supposed to be a much bigger project. They started to realize, and maybe Sony started to realize, this is way too big for this team to tackle. And this is in the game. This is the very is, beginning. This is the actual real game here we're seeing now. Um, <laughs> and I just wonder... If Sony's like, oh no, you guys have bit off way more than you can chew, and then once it went multi-platform, if they just started chopping. Mm. Um, I mean, they chopped a gameplay mechanic. You cannot climb in the final game. Yeah, maybe, maybe that was for the best, because... I uh, mean, totally. It totally could be. Yeah, but, but when you think about a core gameplay mechanic, generally how it works is it's introduced in a level, and then it's used the rest of the game. Yeah. But... It, <laughs> like in in a, in a year where we already played Zelda, like yeah. you probably don't want your climbing compared to that. Well, I think this is that's the first thing I would say is that <coughs> a lot of people when we first saw this game thought it was a Zelda clone because mm -hmm. it shows a lot of gameplay elements that make you think that it is not a Zelda clone. Sifters, it is not. If you're like done with Breath of the Wild, burned out on Breath of the Wild, and you're looking for the next sort of similar experience, this is not it. Yeah, it's more of an eco-clone. Yeah, it is It is a puzzle. It's a puzzle game. Yeah. With some very light platforming. And the platforming isn't demanding. It's not like you have to be good. No, and the puzzles aren't really demanding. No, either. there's a couple, like later on, where I got stuck for a little while before I figured it out. But so far, like, it's been more the... There's two kinds of puzzles you get stuck on. There's the puzzles where you feel brilliant when you figure them out, and the ones where you feel stupid. Yeah. And for so far, these have been of the, oh, I feel stupid for not figuring that out earlier. Of the two variety. puzzles I got stuck on for a significant time, one was the one, and one was the other. Mm -hmm. One I felt like a genius for solving, the other one I felt like an idiot for not figuring it out. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is kind of a wolf's in sheep's clothing kind of thing. I don't know if you can blame the studio for how it was marketed, or maybe you can blame Sony. It was a first-party game at first. But there's definitely sort of some misdirection going on with this game as far as how it was marketed when it was first announced and uh, what it ultimately became. Uh, it's kind of an interesting study, honestly, on how games can evolve based upon mitigating factors like finances or uh, resources, development time, uh, capabilities, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, sometimes you just don't have the right team members in place to make certain ideas work and make them happen. So... Um, so you got past this first yeah. area. So there's five areas total, with the last area really being... There's really four, I guess <laughs> is the way I should put it. Uh, the last chapter of the game. Yeah, so I think I'm in the third area then. Okay. 
Um, and you said you fell asleep playing it. Yeah. And I would not not to like you know not as an insult, but I mean it was it was also late at night, but it was just like it's really soothing. It's, it's kind of nothing's happening. There's no real threats to you. The music's really nice. The music's great. I love the soundtrack in this game. Music feels like it's you know the music feels not. I don't mean it as an insult, but the music feels a little better than the game deserves. Yeah, you know, in a way, yeah. like, it, like it, it's very orchestra. I mean, it feels like a real orchestra, and like I mean, it's the composition's great. It feels like it feels like the music for a bigger game. Yeah, you know no, I mean? I'd agree. I mean, the music, whoever their composer is, probably should get hired by someone yeah. else. <laughs> he should not be working on indie games like that guy or girl. Like I wouldn't really mind. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, like whoever. I don't. I don't know who did the music for this, but. Uh, uh, he, whoever it is, is uh, arguably like Marty O'Donnell caliber. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't it's mind incredible. seeing them like try to score a Halo game someday. The other thing I really liked about it too is, and I don't know if this is so much of a so much bo- <laughs> I don't know if this like is that. so much boasting about how good the music is, or or discussing how bad the game is. But the, there's lots of moments in this game that I never would even notice something going on if it weren't for the music. Mm-hmm. Um, because the music will start to build and get like kind of shrill when something is about to happen. And that caused me to stop and look around a couple times and find stuff that I was just going to run completely past. So it's also effective from a gameplay perspective in a lot of ways. Um, one, since you haven't played a ton of the game, and two, since I already put out the game about, about for this game, I don't want to spend a ton of time just talking about the game in particular. What I want to talk about is the game's approach to how it handled everything. So I agree with you. I found a lot of playing this game to be boring. Um, I also was playing it late at night because that's really when I could only spend a lot of time playing games. And I, it's only six or seven hours long. But I did find myself dragging it a lot of times, not wanting to play, because it is sort of very much the same. It's mm-hmm. switch puzzles, it's uh, bush pox, uh, bush poxing, box pushing puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Box pushing puzzles, and there's some like where you have to like use light, like you reflect light, mm-hmm. or you line up rays of light. That type of stuff, but that's pretty much it. If that stuff is just repeated over and over, and then as I mentioned, the light platforming. And the story really doesn't go anywhere throughout the entire game. It's one of those ambiguous games where you're just kind of wondering what the hell's going on all the time. Uh, there are cut scenes, but they're few and far between. And when they do happen, they're very cryptic and very mm-hmm. sort of obtuse. And, and you're always kind of was it? You're always kind of chasing this guy in a cape who looks right. like he's from Journey. Yep. And uh, there's one point where like you see him up in like this little cave, and I got up to the cave. And then he's down where I was before. Yeah, that happened to me back, too. And I went back down, and he's back up in the yeah. cave. I was like, "Come on!" <laughs> well, I think once you eventually you realize that you just you're not going to catch him. right. <laughs> and so and you start worrying an, about there's that There's also stuff. an adorable magic fox. Yeah, um, I, I like that. I like that character. I like the fox, but I hate the sound design for the fox. Oh, where it's yipping at it's you. Like, yay, 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 yay. That's what foxes sound like. Like, I've, I've, my wife has turned into a great barometer for <laughs> video game audio. Because I play games on the TV, and she has, like, her Mac set up next to our TV and our hutch. <clears throat> and so she always has her back turned to the television, like, working on her Mac or whatever. And she only hears the sound from games. <laughs> so she'll spin around, she'll say, ooh, I like that. Or, oh my god, turn that down, or put on your headphones. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
And like I said about the music for Persona 5, the fox in this game drove her absolutely <laughs> crazy. And it did me too. Like dog barking, a dog barking doesn't drive me crazy. It's just that this fox is like a little like yippee dog. Yeah. And it does it the whole freaking time. And because a lot of the times he's behind you, the satellite speakers for my surround sound setup are like right behind my head. Hmm. So I just kept hearing this dog is yipping like really loud in my ear. It, it started to drive me crazy. But anyway, back to what I want to talk about with this game is the game doesn't tell much of a story. It's like you said, here there's this guy you're following around. You don't know why. You, you brush with him a couple times. There's a fox that kind of helps you and guides you and tells you where you need to go sometimes. Yeah, there's a weird thing of like, like I don't know why the kid's doing what he's doing. I know what I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing because it's a video game and that's what you do. Right. Like there's a weird kind of disconnect between why I'm, do, I'm playing this the way I am and why I think the kid is, I mean, like I said, he washes up on a, on a beach somewhere and you instantly just start yelling at the pig statues. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like... <laughs> I don't know, like, what, you know, just like in the Boy Scouts. Yeah. Uh, I, so. <laughs> yeah, there's no context for it. And so here's what, I, here's what I'll say is at the, the ending of the game, the last act, which they call a chapter, which really isn't. It's really just like a series of cutscenes. Everything's explained. Mm. And it, I went, and, I, and I'll have to admit, I went from being I, like, I don't like this game at all to, huh, I actually, okay. Like, I maybe, it didn't change the fact that I was bored <laughs> for six hours playing the game. But, ultimately, my overall impression of the game was completely changed. And ten years from now, if someone were to ever ask me about this game, I will think of it far more fondly than I did when I finished actually spending my time with the gameplay. Hmm. What do you think about games like that, Matt? I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge stranger to that. I mean, almost every point-and-click adventure game is that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it makes, no, I, mean, I, point I and get click it. Adventure games have great stories, typically, that drive the whole experience and interesting characters. This mm -hmm. is you, a fox, and a dude in a cape. That's a pretty good weekend in Vegas. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> <laughs> um... I mean, I, 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 I haven't finished it, so I don't quite know what you're talking about, but I understand the idea of, a, of the, if, you know, the way something wraps itself up can you know, make the package more than the sum of its parts. Well, I mean, I can say that it explains pretty much everything that's been going on. Mm. All the little weird cutscenes that you have, like you understand what was going on in them suddenly. I got my ideas. But, yeah. Uh, it's, there's that guy. There's the guy. Yeah. He pops in and out. You know, the, 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 I've been starting to call him the Journey cosplayer because he really is straight it's up pretty the much Journey. <laughs> from, from Journey. Yeah, um, I, I do think it's interesting that like um, you found this so unengaging after anticipating it for so long. Yeah, was I was this, really disappointed. Was this not what you expected it to be? Well, look, I by the time I actually played it, I knew it wasn't a Zelda clone. Mm -hmm. I knew that it either it had been changed from its original idea, or it was just never really that in the first place. So my expectations weren't when I went to play it like this is going to be Zelda. And look, I try to, even though it's human nature and it's almost impossible to, I try to never bring any expectations into evaluating a game. We've had this discussion before about expectations in games and whether and when you're 
trying to grade a game, expectations should be thrown out the window. You should just grade the game for what it is. That's my perspective on it anyway. Um, and you shouldn't say, well, this isn't right for this franchise, and therefore dock the game. I just look at the game for what it is, what is on that disc, and I give my impression of it. Um, so I did my best. That seems on it. This is insane. How much of this game? How much of this trailer? I think they the basically game? say that this trailer was made from whole, made up from whole cloth. Oh, they did. Like, yeah, as oh. like as like basically a, uh, a proof of. Concept oh, I did, I did not know that. Actually, I think you may be right. That's not in the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty bizarre. I mean, that can, whole he, setting's not in the game. He can climb like vine, you know, like like every video game. He can climb like you know that particular vine texture, right. on a wall. But yeah. he can't just climb. He can't just anything. climb a wall, which they showed earlier. Um, so look, my expectations for this game, I did not expect it to be Zelda. I knew it was pretty much a puzzle platformer with light action and things like that. It just it it's boring to play. I mean, I you've played a couple hours of it. Do mm-hmm. you? find it engaging do you think extrapolating that out over the next six or seven hours because it doesn't really change well i haven't gone back to play it more right it's 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 kind of like the last guardian except without the interesting element of the of the of the bird cat yeah um except the bird cat was annoying so i don't know um but it's that that feeling of like I had the same feeling with Last Guardian, which I didn't finish for a very similar reason which is just like you think about turning it on and you know you're just gonna have to solve a bunch of annoying switch puzzles uh, that don't really get you anywhere and are more just like, this is what you expect, so this is what you're going to have to do. And at least in The Last Guardian, there was the element of, like, I have to figure out all the different things that we can b- both characters can do and how to put those together in this situation. Whereas with Rhyme, it's like, there's, like, three different things you can yeah. basically do, and you're always doing the same thing, and it's just a matter of figuring out what what thing this particular little puzzle area is going to do that's really annoying that makes you have to push some stuff around more to figure it out. And it's just like, I mean, now maybe I'm more motivated to do it that you, now that you say that the ending sort of pieces it all together. Yeah. Um, but without, if you had said like, oh, the ending is just sort of like this cryptic thing and it's like five seconds long and it doesn't matter, I would have probably never picked it up again. Yeah. Um, or maybe I do you think can just go watch the ending on YouTube. Right. <laughs> I do think it's, uh, I feel like it's expensive for what it is. Yes, $30, way too much for a six-hour game. Mm-hmm. Um but I just I wanted to talk a little bit about that the idea of a game the games like there aren't many games like this. Um, I would argue that it, you're right. It is a little bit like the Last Guardian, but the Last Guardian had the whole relationship between Trico mm-hmm. and the boy. Um, it had actual strife, and it actually had enemies in it. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> the, that's the thing about this game is like I'm a big fan of Team Eco stuff, and uh, you know, and as, by extension, stuff like uh, you know, Studio Ghibli stuff like you know, Laputa, mm-hmm. Castle in the Sky, and that kind of thing. Um, I love the the kind of the, the magical lost ruins sort of yeah. idea. And the thing is, this game has that, uh-huh. and it leaves me completely cold. Yeah, and it's because it, it has to have more than that. It can't yeah. just have that. And the other thing is, like, I don't feel like you don't look at these ruins in this game. And feel like you're looking at something that has history and meaning and was a place and was a thing at some point. Well, again, I would, I would recommend like, waiting until you see the end Right, of the game. but like so far it just feels like, well, this sure is a puzzle game. Yeah. You know, and this is here because we needed a puzzle here. Whereas like, you know, it's, it's, I am not intrigued by the history of this place. And I'm not sure why, if it's the design, if it's why, because everything is blinding white and that's not particularly an, an interesting yeah. You know, color scheme, or if like I just don't have enough context for this kid and why he's here and why he suddenly knows that oh I should totally just like start slamming magical glowing keys in his sphinx feet. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> like it's just it's it's 
it doesn't pull me in the way like like something like Shadow of the Colossus did, where it's like, wow, like you want to know more about this place and yeah. what's happening and who these people are and and why this is, is world is the way it is and why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I feel like maybe Rhyme has gone a little too far in these sort of. Uh, it's like, oh, what are you doing? It's so crazy and, and weird and mysterious. It's like, yeah, you gotta give me something. What's well, also really not at this point, because this game to me is pretty derivative. You can tell that yeah. the, the developers who made this are fans of Team Eco's games and Journey. Like, it's written all over the game's face. Like, mm -hmm. um, and maybe the truth is, is that these games don't come around very often, so maybe it's kind of nice to have a smaller team kind of filling in the gaps, uh, making games like this for people who really like them. But to me, it just it smacked of, oh, we like The Last Guardian, we like Journey, we like Eco, and now we've made our interpretation of those games uh, on a smaller scale. But I, I think probably why I'm so perplexed by this game is I don't know that I've ever played a game that I didn't really enjoy playing all that much, and then I watched an ending cinematic and had much more fond memories of playing it then. Hmm. Can you think of anything that you've played through the years? That worked out like that? Because hmm. even Journey was fun while you're playing it. Like I'd you know? say maybe, mm, no. I think in hindsight, probably Metal Gear Solid 4 was that a little bit. Because Man, that ending was so... <laughs> so I, mean, if you, I could hardly even follow it. Well, the pro part of the... Pro I mean, I'm kind of leaving off the epilogue in the graveyard right. with Zero and, yeah. and Bo Big Boss. Um, I'm thinking more like how like the last... like. 20, 30 minutes of that game annoyed the hell out of me. Yeah. But then you had the last, like, the ending with the with the funeral and and uh, Sunny and and Otakon and he's like, Snake had a hard life and all that. I'm like, yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, he did, he man. Did. It really <laughs> did. <laughs> like, it, it really he kind of like, up. it kind of like, you know, it, it contextualized everything in, in the in the sense of like, you know, the series going back to the, you know, the, the 19, the originals and in the MSX and the NES in the 80s and like, it kind of felt like it brought it nicely full circle, and if it had just stopped there... Right, yeah. Well, that's not a Kojima game if it right. didn't... Right. Um, overindulgent. But I, th I think uh, the way they had the characters kind of wrap that up, uh, leaving aside the weird graveyard epilogue, um, made me feel a lot better about kind of the total package. Although... I mean, look, there have been lots of games that finish strong. Yeah. Like, one of the more recent ones, at least for me personally, is Final Fantasy XV. Like, I thought mm -hmm. the last act of that game was the best part of the game. And it used to be that games, at least, again, in my opinion, it used to be that they were designed so that they got better as they went. Like, the worlds became more fantastical and more interesting. Uh, the gameplay mechanics became more intricate. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've never played a game where the whole time I played it, it was just like this flat line, and then it went, tweak, like right at the end. Yeah, I, can't, I mean, I can't think of anything equivalent to that, although I, I guess I can think of the reverse. Yeah. I guess Rhyme is the anti-Mass Effect 3. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> uh, I'll be interested to uh, see anyone's impressions. I know a lot of people may wait to buy this game before, you know, wait for it to come down in price. And I would agree with that. Like, yeah, I would, I would, not, I would not spend that much money on this game. Um, I mean, I, I got the, the pre-order discount on it through PS Plus or whatever, yeah. but like, which is fine, but it's still too much. Yeah, I would probably spend $15 on it Yeah, and come in with some pretty low expectations. And look, like, I feel like this might be a PS Plus freebie it might down be. the road. Yeah, so, it may not even be just, all that long, just depending on how on. it sells. Yeah, I, I do not recommend buying it as a purchase. And uh, if for you, I would probably just recommend watching the ending on YouTube. Yeah. I'm not kidding. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Friday the 13th, the game.
So I uh, posted a Hangout this week where I played the game for... Well, I played it for a lot longer than the Hangout, but we cut it all down and it ended up being like 13 or 14 minutes of gameplay. And uh, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of the comments on it were terrible. They're like, oh my god, like... It's not from Europe, but Eurojank. Yeah. <laughs> People are just like, oh, this looks like a mess. It's a disaster. Look at all those bugs and glitches. And they're right. It is. But, but it's a lot of fun. But <laughs> it's fun. It is. I have enjoyed playing this game. The core of what this game is is a lot of fun. Yeah. It works. And Mostly. For the most part. And uh, But I think every single aspect of this game has something like technically wrong with it oh yeah I, I think there's something at least a little bit wrong with every part of yeah. the game um it is made by a team of like four guys is it really only four people i think they've got support from like the other the other dev but the main team is four people ilphonic is four people ilphonic is the bigger one i think uh, it's, it's guns gun that's, media that's, that's the gun is four yeah four people okay um it's a pretty impressive achievement in that regard. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean you can... First of all, the first thing we should say off the top, this game costs $40. Which is crazy. Which is complete and total lunacy. I'm sure that's related to the license. Um, but, like, it's too much for what it is. But it needs the license. Yes. Because I think a big part of the charm for this game is the fact that it's a Friday the 13th right. game and it has Jason. Right. And if also it was because... just some dude wearing a hockey mask... Yeah, and yeah. also because it, if you're, you know, if you're a fan of Friday the 13th, and I'm not a huge, I mean, I'm not a, I can't, like, I was. It was. I can't quote you chapter and verse, but just the sheer amount of fan service in this game yeah. is astounding. It really is. You can tell it was made by fans, and I, I did used to be a huge Friday the 13th fan. I was watching these movies back when I was like eight, nine, ten years old, when they were coming out. And I, me and my friends, we were a bunch of gore hounds, man. We mm -hmm. would watch every freaking horror movie because our parents were terrible and would let us. And we, I watched, I've probably watched every 70s horror movie ever made. Um, and so I was a huge Friday the 13th fan. So I fully admit that at one point, maybe I was what could be called a Jason fanboy. And what we're seeing there is when it was called Summer Camp. So mm -hmm. when it started, it actually was a generic knockoff of Friday the 13th. Then they got the license, and mm -hmm. and and I agree. The fan service in this is incredible. There's like ten different versions of Jason throughout all of history. Um, one thing that you mentioned that I didn't even realize is the different Jasons have different abilities. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. I thought yeah, they were all the same with just a different skin. No, they're all different. And the counselors as well, because you can customize their perks and stuff, and they they have different like ratings on their abilities. Jason, like different Jasons. Uh, some of them like have longer or shorter periods of time when their various abilities last. Well, you said only um, a couple of them can go in the water and swim. They can go in the water, but there there are uh, like two of them have uh, speed boosts. Basically, they they have more more they're more capable in the water. Okay. So like I wouldn't chase a boat with like part like part eight Jason. Okay. But I would with two part yeah. two because the the bag over the head. Yeah. Um. So like and like so I've been picking. Some of them can run, some of them can't. The ones that can't run generally can like their stalker, their stalk uh, ability, which makes you totally silent. And because one of the ways you know as a counselor that Jason's around is you hear the theme song. Well, you, you don't hear and the theme song at first. You just hear the ch ch ch. Yeah, and then it gets louder as he gets close. Like if it didn't have that. But it, but Huge the, the difference stealth, if it but the didn't stealth have thing turns off the and by the way it's kiki ma 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 did you know that no I didn't know that it's because the 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 the, the composer 
apparently gets real mad about this. Really? Because what that is, is ki, 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 ma, ma, ma. And everyone thinks it's, you know, what did you just say? Like, chi, ha. Chi, 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 ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Um, so apparently that, he got the idea of, um, uh, from, from one of the lines in the movie, which was, uh, kill him mother or something yeah, yeah. like that. And so it's ki from kill and ma from mother. Really? And like, that's what he's doing. He's, he said, that, and, and like, he, annoying, I never knew that. And he's like, people are coming up to me going like, chi, 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 ha, ha. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, so that's the thing. And I didn't know that until I started like looking stuff up for this game and, and yeah. reading, reading trivia about it. But apparently that is, that wow. is actually what he's saying. Learn something every and that's day. And that's the composer say, singing that, like saying that. Oh, really? He like said, I said it really sharp into the mic and that's what I use. If this game did not have that, it would be half the game that it is. Yeah. I mean, it is, it gets you. I mean, yeah. especially if you're like us is, who grew up watching these movies. I would love to see them, you know, if they became ex uh, successful and finished, because I'm going to say that it still needs, still needs some bacon, yeah. baking time. I would, I'd love to The game to never should have come out right now. No. It should be in early access. I would love to see this kind of like get more horror icons in it. I'd love to see Michael Myers show you think? up. and. And, uh, like, I, if you get more permutations, yeah, with the music, like, doing that. Do you mean, like, the sequel to this should be, like, Nightmare on Elm Street? No, I think you use, I would use it as a platform. And really? start adding, like, different different killers and levels. But, oh, I don't know about that. You'll get tired of seeing Jason over and over again. After, I mean, after I guess. Year. But then just make a sequel that's, uh, for one of the other franchises. Scream mm. or whatever. No, I, I, I like the idea of it as a platform. And it's been proven that the licensees are, are up for that. Oh, with, they are. With, with, um, with, with, with like their Mortal character Kombat. being in a game called Friday the 13th. Well, you'd have to change, maybe change the name or, or kind of like... Freddy DLC. <laughs> but like, look at what, you know, look at uh, Mortal Kombat. They're all, you know, you got Leatherface and yeah. Jason and uh, Freddy all in the same game. Right, but... That's a fight. That's called Mortal Kombat. It's not called Friday the Thirteenth, the fighting game, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, you can you can change the name eventually once the license gets renegotiated. That's what I'm saying. So there's there's a lot of potential in this gameplay mode that goes beyond just the Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, for sure, without without a doubt. Um, I was shocked at the depth of the game as far as the feature. Like like you said, you can tell these people love this franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, and that they're trying to give it depth so that it can last longer than you might think. And I gotta say, in the amount of time that I played this game, I have just barely scratched the surface of everything you can do in it. And I would also argue that organically the game does zero job of teaching you how to play it. Oh yeah. There are screens that you can flip through that are like text screens that'll give you a quick tutorial on what you're supposed to do. But as far as like as you're playing the game, it giving you hints mm -hmm. and it does nothing. No, and it's like one thing is for sure is it's very difficult to play effectively as the counselors never until won. you've played as Jason. I've never won as a counselors ever. Not I've once. escaped twice as as a can like everyone else almost everyone else got killed because it usually almost always degenerates into everybody just every man for himself. Yeah. Um and someone manages to fix the car and maybe if you're lucky enough you hop on the boat with right. them or something. Everyone just um, spreads out and runs away. And so a lot of the people you play with just go and sit and hide and never move. Yeah, I've seen that too. It's like once you die, you can flip through cameras to watch people, and some people literally just find some place and crouch and never move yep. for the whole match. Which is, I mean, I guess they're trying to wait out the twenty-minute timer. Yeah, and they're not like... AFK because you'll see them making little like adjustments while they're sitting. There. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? You're bringing your arms sticking out behind the tree branch or something. Um, look, it... I, I, ha I did spot a guy once because his leg was clipping, oh, really? clipping through the cabinet. Oh, 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 that sucks. Um, 
this game does have tons of issues. Oh yeah. I mean, you can you'll be able to see in this footage eventually. Like I get killed by Jason, and my character just flies up to the moon. He just shoop, it just shoots like straight yeah, up into the sky. I don't think I've seen a single animation that's an interaction between two characters that wasn't like weird and Compl- clippy a complete and mess. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just I mean, it it really doesn't look like something anyone could justify charging forty dollars for. Right. Um, and even if it was all done, it's not particularly good looking. No. Anyway. No. But like, there's something about. You know the way it, the asymmetrical multiplayer yeah. aspect of it that just works. The systems under the hood are good. They're enough. solid. Yeah. Like give this enough time to cook, and you're gonna have a, something something special. Yeah, I'm guessing like six months to a year from now, this game. I mean, I think this game is gonna be huge. By the way, I would mm-hmm. add, I think this is going to become the next Let's Play obsession, just like Five Nights at Freddy's was or whatever. Yeah. Um, and because. It does such a poor job of teaching you how to play. I think a lot of people watch other people play just to learn how. To learn how, yeah. And, and I, I think, think strategies for this game are going to be huge. It's also telling that I, when I was playing it, I was playing it uh, last night mostly, and I was clear, you know, because you can hear uh, voice chat, yeah. and the voice chat is like proximity-based it unless is, you yeah. find a walkie-talkie. Right. And um, so you can hear what other people are saying when you're close to them. Uh, or in the lobby, and uh, I was definitely in m- multiple games with people who were streaming. Oh, yeah. Because I could hear them talking to their audience. Well, I was playing a pre-release, and we started one game, and the one person goes, who here is streaming? And everyone goes, <laughs> I am. All of them were streaming the game. All of them at once. And there's also been a bit of a dust-up over this game. The backers, and this is as good. This is actually good that you're here, because you are a backer of this game. I am. So the backers for this game's crowdfunding are pissed off that people like me... And other journalists and influencers got to play this game before it came out. And it's not that we were the only ones playing it. The backers were allowed to play it, too. They were just pissed off that the press and influencers got to play it before it was released. As a backer, how do you... Well, also as a journalist, but as a backer, how do you feel about that? You gotta build the hype. Yeah. Like, I, it would never occur to me to think that that wouldn't happen. Right. So but I think, you know, a lot of people who are backers, they're not... Especially for a game like this, based on a big IP, you're going to get people into this game who maybe are just fans of the movie and don't play games hardly at all. Mm. And they're like, wait a minute, how does this work? Like, these people didn't pay for it at all and they're playing it early? Like, that should be just for me. Well, they're going to, you know, get people interested and spread the word so there's other people on there for you to keep playing with four months from now. That would be my contention, is that... You need people for this game. Yeah. Like, you need a lot of people. And the servers, like, buckled yesterday. I don't know if you spent time playing it, but they were having problems, like, all I, day. I, all my, ga- all my pl- games were after that happened. Oh, okay. I started playing pretty late. Got ya. Um, and so, yeah, we realized very quickly when it was just limited amount of people, you sit there for, like, 15 minutes waiting to get enough people in, in the server. I never had that. Really? Happen. No, I, I, I don't think I was in a single game that took longer than, like, three minutes to start. No, oh, I was playing it, like... Two, three days ago. Okay, it was, yeah, yesterday. I didn't play it till actual release day. I just didn't have the time. But it's and, funny uh, to me that uh, these people, they had the evidence right in front of them why we were there. It's mm-hmm. because it was taking 15 minutes to get a game going, even with all the journalists and the influencers yeah. on the servers. 
But still, I guess they'd rather sit there for an hour waiting for a game, knowing that, damn it, they're the only ones playing it. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, it's I'm, so I'm never, stupid. Also, like when I kickstart something, I basically like throw that money in a hole right. and hope you if know, it ever pops when back it comes, out. When it comes out, <laughs> great. Like the idea, the idea of like being like that concerned about exclusive access to like a beta version or right. something is not ever on my mind. Yeah, ever like. It, usually, I actually prefer to play just play the final version of things anyway. Like the beta yeah. versions of things don't particularly interest me. This is tough because I wish more people will will, will play the game, but I cannot recommend that they buy it for forty dollars. So it's like I'm left as someone who's supposed to tell people whether they should buy a game or not. I feel like I'm left in a lurch because mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think this game is going to get better, and eventually, it's going to be pretty darn good. And there's a single-player campaign that's coming later on. I believe you said this summer, right? Yeah, they're going to add a, some kind of single-player campaign in the summer. Which is probably going to be terrible, by the way. Yeah, well, see, I mean, <laughs> like, I can see in, the, in, like, in mind, like, there's just tons of weird... You know, we've already talked about the, the various technical problems. Uh, they have badges in the game, which are, like, like basically they're, pa- like, like, camp badges Yeah. you can earn. Uh, I get the badges at the end of the match, but the progression doesn't update in the progression system. The Steam achievements are broken. And when I try to quit the game on my computer... It keeps running, like it, it quits. It quit. It goes away. It quits out. It's not listed in the task manager, but Steam listed is still running. You can hear the fans and the computer running as though it's still active. And the only reason, it, only way to get Steam to say it's quit is to force quit Steam and restart it. But it still runs the fans, and I can't find the process that's doing that. And so in the end, I restarted the computer and it went back to normal. But there's something weird about this game. This game is having trouble stopping. Yeah. Just like Jason. Yeah. But I also feel like there's something special about it, though, too. Like, um, some of the people who play Jason Mm roleplay. And that has made all the difference in the world. Some people are funny and goofy, and that's fun, too, and cool, too. Yeah, we had a guy who was uh, playing Jason last night who would, when he'd come near it, because you can hear Jason's player, too, through the voice chat proximity. And he'd come up and be like, "Can you have a minute to talk to me about our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ?" He was like doing like a door to door, like 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 preacher kind of thing, and like and every time he'd be like, and he'd, you know, hang you up on a on a coat hook through the back of your skull, and and, and be like, "I'm glad we had this talk. God bless," and like yeah, walk away. Yeah. And it was it was just it was a lot of fun. And That's like, the one side, but then there's the other side of the people who take it like seriously. Oh, there are people who actually play as and Jason. Like, oh, man. And do they just say this crazy stuff that you're like, damn, like you're a, you think the person playing is a psycho. Yeah. You're like, oh, I've, I've I mean, heard, think about it. It's I've getting, heard some terrible shit in this game. Yeah, I mean, any online game you do, but, but it's, it gets scary when you have someone who really kind of embodies that role. And if Jason never talks in any of the films, I don't think he's ever said anything. Even when he was a boy in the first one, did he ever a- have a line? I think there were, but I don't. I'm not enough of a Friday the Thirteenth scholar to remember. But right. once he was revived or whatever, like I've never heard him say anything. No. So that seems out of the ordinary. But there are some people playing this game that do a really good job of creeping you the f out, man. Like I was legitimately scared sometimes playing this game, um, and it's like a lot of online games. Like what you get out of it is what the community puts into it, and so. It's like you said, there's lots of idiots spouting racist BS mm-hmm. and all that kind of crap going on. Um, I was lucky. I played the bulk of my games with the journalists and the influencers, so I didn't have to play with the rank and file, which is kind of where you end up dealing with a lot of that stuff. Um, but like I said, it's you're rolling the dice because it was sometimes playing with the rank and file was good because you have these crazy people mm. who are obsessed with like horror movies who do their best to scare the crap out of you. 
And that, to me, was when it was at its best. And like you said, the systems underneath the hood, um, the walkie-talkie element of it, um, how you can sort of, like, build, like, you can fix the car and fix the boat. Yeah, there's multiple ways to get out of the... to win, basically. To win against Jason. Um, you don't have to kill It actually reminded me of... Um, uh, what was it? State of Decay, yeah. a little bit. Like, kind of searching searching the cabins, and you go through all the drawers and everything to try and find the items that you need, or, like, things to help you. And you can pick up, like, little... You can pick up weapons to try and fight Jason, which is probably not a good idea. Uh, or you can also pick up, like, a little emergency weapon, like, little knives and stuff. So, like, when he grabs you, you can stab him in the neck yep. and run away. And... There's all kinds of depth in it. Yeah. That's the thing. And, like, I feel like once they get sort of the technical issues ironed out, like... This has a chance to be something pretty special. Yeah. You so, can even call the cops and they'll show up. Right. But Jason can still kill them. He can them. kill the cops, like it, it, just it, like the movies. Yeah, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't mean you're safe. It just right. means there's one more thing for yep. Jason to do. Like, <laughs> so Yeah, don't completely write this off is what I'm saying. Like, I know you're watching the gameplay. And yeah, I was, like watching it, like you're just like, oh, God, this looks like crap. But, yeah. but it's, it, it's, and it does kind of look like crap. But it's yeah. not like that when you play it. It's yeah. fun. It's compelling. I, uh, I've had a lot of fun with this game, and it's certainly yeah. something different and unique, which, as I've said a million times on Game Face, we need more of. So, And I've mostly been playing as Jason. So I have never played Just as Jason. As a, as a tick, because I think a lot of people don't know this. Like, if you go into the, the customization menu, you can pick... There's a menu in there where you can choose whether you prefer to spawn as Jason, as a counselor, or as Knight. Like, you don't have a preference. I and didn't it's automatically that. set to no preference. I honestly don't know if I want to play as Jason. So I, I picked Jason. <laughs> it might flip me out. Because I wanted to Because I played a few games as counselor, and then I, um, I'm like, I realized, I don't know you what I'm doing. You can't win one, and you don't know what you're doing. Well, I don't yeah. know what I'm doing because I don't know how Jason works. Yeah. Because I don't know what I'm up against. So I switched my preference to Jason, and I, I got Jason, like, probably, like, for the rest of the night, I got, like, three out of four times I'd get Jason. Probably because people don't know that that preference setting is there. I didn't know it was there, yeah. Um, But, like, I I really like playing as Jason. Like, I'm really good at it. (laughs) And Jason is, I've never beat Jason, ever. I've lost every time as a counselor. Jason is very powerful. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, he can teleport anywhere on the map. It's it's got a cooldown, but, like, if you have a vague idea where everybody is, you can still jump there. Yeah. And kind of, you know... I mean, it's supposed to to represent kind of how... You know, the killer in these slasher movies is suddenly just there. Everywhere. Yeah, well, how does he get everywhere? Yeah. Um, and, like, you also have another move called Shift where he can, like, basically... He, like, basically does, like, a Sam Raimi, like, you know, like, Evil Dead, like, zoom yeah. through the forest. And yeah. then, like, if you catch up to somebody, you can hit the button and, like, reappear and, and instantly be on them. Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, and then the, the fun part is of enough... T- it's your, your Jason's abilities are all dictated by time. Like, they basically recharge all, up yeah. and then you've got them with, on a cooldown after that. And if you last long enough, you get rage, which, like, instead of... Because normally it has to hack through, like, doors and obstacles. Like, it takes, like, five or six hits. And when you have rage, you just walk through it. Like, you just bust through the, through the wall. And it's pretty awesome. And, like, when that happens, that was when it got a lot of fun because you hear the players screaming into their headsets when you're running... You know, you're busting through the wall and, like, attacking them. And yeah. Like, ah, run, go, 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 like, that's the thing. It's, like, for all the, the, head, the, the voice chat, like, racist crap and all that stuff... One of the fun parts is, like, in a, in a good game, a good group, it all just degenerates into screaming and yelling. By it the does. End. And, it's, and it's great. It gets it's a people. lot of fun. It's legitimate. It's not fake. Like. Yeah. And, like, in the lobbies, you'll hear people just telling stories of the coolest or weirdest or glitchiest things that happened to them in the yeah. game and stuff. And it's, it's, that's the thing. is like, you know, even with, the, with you know, there ha, there, I've run into a lot of racist nonsense when Jason kills a black counselor. That's yeah. basically what happens with the, with the, the less savory groups. But um, 
a lot of the games I played were with a lot of people that are just having a lot of fun playing this game and, and, and enjoying what it is and kind of telling, swapping stories and sort of coming up with plans and, and, uh, uh, and teaching each other how to play. Yeah. (laughs) In all honesty. It's it's kind of got a decent little community going. And there was one group that just left me on the, on the pier with, with, you know, abandoned me. Isn't that the worst? You see the boat pulling away, you turn around, here comes Jason walking down the dock. Yeah. All right. Luckily, it was Tommy. I had a shotgun. Oh. uh, Yeah. So Tommy is like, um, when you die, another player can basically revive you as Tommy. Yeah. And then you have a, right. And and you have a gun that has one shot that drops Jason. But if there's no one else there to help finish him off, it just buys you some time. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it did. I shot him down. And get a lot. The other thing I'll say is uh, you level up quick. You do, like it's, yeah. pre- it's pretty generous with the XP and, yeah. and the and the XP is what you use for upgrading the character, upgrading the, the Jasons and upgrading the counselors. And I felt like that the curve for that was pretty good. Yep. So I think those are pretty good impressions. I think you should have a good idea about the game uh, based upon that. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And it's, again, I mean, it's still. I was pricey. a huge. I'm a huge. I was a huge Friday the Thirteenth fan growing up. Once they got past like part five, I think I just stopped caring. Yeah, although, like the whole Jason takes Manhattan thing, or well, no, the, was, no, the Jason in space, I think, was the deal breaker Jason for X. me. All, not in this game, I might add. Yeah, like that's not a costume in the game yet. Although I think, oddly, I think my favorite in the because like you know you you start with Jason from I think part three. Yeah, and you kind of have to unlock more. And I'm kind. I think the I'm, hockey mask is the first one you get. Yeah, but like there's multiple hockey mask ones, and so like the first one you get is like I think from part three or part four. Does it have the split? Because that's no. what defines I don't remember. part four. I, it's, it was in the footage. <laughs> I don't remember. It was in the footage. It's been too long for me. I and used then, to know all the second, this stuff, the, though. The first one you unlock beyond that, I think, is the bag. Yeah. The bag over the head. The one I'm working my way towards is, I think it's seven or eight, where it's like, I think it's seven. And it's just, it's the hockey mask and kind of the, 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 the coveralls yeah. outfit. It's not the one where he's like decayed yeah. like up the side. I think eight is the one where he's like bumpy and decayed, like all of the jaw. You can see the teeth from the jaw. Well, that's one thing I always loved about those movies is that he was always changed based upon what happened to him in the prior movie. Yeah, they always do did remember what like however right, he was because he got the before, axe like, in the yeah, head, yeah. and, and so it split the gone, mask. And, yeah. and so in the next movie, the mask had like the split in it. So yeah. yeah. Except right. when Corey I think we're Feldman, geeking out now. On, except uh, when Corey Feldman took over after <laughs> right. he killed him with a machete. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about in that. In the final chapter. Yeah. Which was that, like four? Yeah, it was four. Yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about that last week. About and then the we've got a, like, Tom Savini designed a new Jason for, for the game. Oh, he did? Uh, yeah, there's a Savini. I knew he was working on it. I it's, didn't not, it that, it's not up yet. I think it's going to be DLC, but basically he's like glowing red like he's from hell or something. There better not be any DLC. That game's already too expensive. I agree, but better I, be I bet there will be. I bet there will be. You don't launch anything like that without planning it to be some kind of microtransaction platform. Although there is a lot of a lot of unlockable stuff in the game that you don't need to pay anything for. Yep, tons, tons and tons. So right. it is a little overpriced, but I feel like I don't know. Like part of me, even if I wasn't a backer, would kind of maybe feel like I'd want to support this in some way. Can't put a price on having a good time. I suppose. And if you if you can put all the oh my god these textures are terrible or oh my god they clip through the book or whatever if you can put all that stuff on hold I know some people can't. You can do that. I think you'll have fun with it. So, especially if you if you have friends who are willing to go in on it with you and I've been play, playing play it with just randoms. Yeah, random is fun with randoms as well because let's face it, in a camp situation, you probably don't know everybody all yep. that well. But um, the uh, like if you can find a good group to play with, like it'd be a blast. It'd be a yeah. lot of fun for, for sure. sure. Okay, 
is time for our trailer of the week. Uh, this week we went indie. Um, you, I'm sure you guys are, are growing tired of the side-scrolling 2D Dark Souls clone. That seems to be like the biggest thing in indie games right now. Is like here's a 2D version of Dark well, Souls. It's it's the biggest thing in what we're making now. Right. Indie games. It's a, as far as like stuff that's actually come out, it doesn't really exist. Yeah. But, Except for uh, Salt and Sanctuary. Yeah, there are literally like 10 or 15 of these like in the pipeline right now. We'll see how many of them make it. Right, and a lot of them won't. A lot of them, you know, they're here's a cool trailer and then we never actually get them. Well, in my opinion, this is the most promising of all of them. It is a game called Blasphemous. And there's one. Have you seen this trailer yet? Yeah. Okay. I backed this. Oh, you did? Yeah. Wow. There is uh, one scene in this trailer that, holy wow. Um, anyway, we're going to let it roll. Uh, get those questions in right now, and we'll answer them when we get back. Can you guess which scene I was talking about? I didn't. I, I mean, maybe I'm just, I'm just jaded, I guess. You don't think a baby ripping a human being in half and the sinew stretching and then snapping between the two halves is... You need to play more Dark Souls, man. I... <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, I think that game looks great. <laughs> I'm glad Matt backed it. Hopefully more people do so it can uh, make it to fruition and make it across the finish line. Um, let's see. Before we get into questions, I have a few announcements I want to make, or a couple announcements. Um... The first is, and get those questions in now, the first one is, right now, if you haven't been on the site, there is a clearance sale for sifted shirts. So every design, every color, every size is now on sale for $10. Um, what I've discovered is, since the sale started yesterday, is that apparently $10 was a sweet spot for t-shirts because mm. they've been selling like crazy since we put them up for 10 bucks. So I'm telling you right now, this is not me like trying to egg on sales or anything. If you want a shirt, you better go buy one because they are literally like running out like fast. Um, the bad news is, is that they cost more than $10 to make. So the sweet spot ended up being below what I had to pay to get them made. Uh, but at this point, 
myself and my wife are just happy to not have them in our house anymore. Um, they have been taking up a back bedroom for months and months now. Uh, thanks to everyone who's bought them already. But seriously, if you guys have been sitting and waiting, like, oh, wait till the price drops or whatever, you should go buy them now because there aren't that there aren't going to be that many left over uh, by the time the weekend's over. So make sure you do that. Um, Pactor Factor questions. We just put up the post today. Get your questions in for Pactor Factor. Obviously, E3 is just a couple weeks away, and I should say as well that. Starting next week, we'll start ramping up our E3 coverage. We'll start doing our typical E3 previews, doing our E3 predictions and things like that. So look forward to that next week. But uh, at least for the first couple episodes of this round of Pactor Factor, I will be wanting to ask him a lot of E3 questions. So make sure you get those in. And then finally, and probably the biggest announcement is, um, beginning this evening, um, we will no longer offer annual subscriptions on Sifted. Every subscription will be monthly and it will be $4 a month. So no more annual subscriptions on Sifted. It's gonna be monthly for everybody and it's gonna cost four bucks a month. So at four bucks a month, that's 48 a year. So it's still cheaper than the former premium subscription was. For those of you who have been paying monthly all this time and been paying $5 a month, that's gonna drop down to $4 a month. Um, and the big reason for that is that uh, with the way our revenue was working, like we just couldn't rely on anything. It's like one month we'd have no money. Uh, the next month we'd make some. And uh, when you're trying to plan a business, it's just become impossible to work with that revenue model. So everybody is switching to monthly beginning tonight. In fact, Brent may be pushing that feature live right now. It may already be that way. So any of you guys who are on monthly, uh, your next charge will be only $4 instead of 5 all you guys are about to turn over. A lot of people, the vast majority of our subscribers are about to turn over because we are approaching the two year anniversary of Sifted. Um, just last week, or this week actually, was the one year anniversary of this place getting completely cleaned out and robbed. Hmm. Uh, we've made it a year after that. Um, so everyone's about ready to turn over. Most of our subscribers subscribe in the month of June. Uh, so for all you people who are about ready to turn over your, your new subscription, you will go onto a monthly plan from now mm -hmm. on, um, beginning with, so I think it's June 14th, because remember we launched mm -hmm. June 1st, first two weeks of the site were completely free, and then everyone kind of had to pay on June 14th or June 15th, I can't remember which. But when that happens, you guys will not get charged that big chunk of money, you'll just get charged your monthly fee. So with that... Let's get on with the show. Let's do some Do you know what percentage of small businesses survive it's their first year, by the way? I don't. 4%. No. Yep. Really? Extremely. So if, you've, if you have survived one year as a small business, you have beaten the odds tremendously. Wow. And we're at two. Yeah. <laughs> Sam says, yeah. applause. <laughs> Four or five percent. Wow, that's crazy. In the, in the U.S. I know that 99% of... Websites don't last the first year. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact. 99 point something don't make it through the first year. Uh, we're approaching number two. And uh, I'll be talking, I'll probably do like a separate video in the next couple weeks to kind of let you guys know where we're sitting uh, as far as Sifted as a company and everything. Um, but right now I just wanted to announce uh, what's going on with our subscriptions because a lot of you guys are monthly subscribers and a lot of you guys are getting ready to turn over. Um, and you guys won't have to do anything. You don't have to go into your account and like set something up or change anything. That's all going to happen organically. Uh, Brent's been working on it for the last couple of days and it should be pushing live soon. So let's get to some questions. 
Um, I did see one initially where someone asked if we had played the ARMS global test fire. I did not. I did not mm. even realize it was happening, man. I thought it was like E3 weaker. I knew. But well, it comes out an, E3 week. No, there's another one. Uh, like right the before? First week of June, right, right, the week before E3. Uh, this one was, I, I, it was 5 p.m. It's like in hourly increments. It was 5 p.m. yesterday and I was busy at 5 p.m. And then it was like overnight. Like it was like 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. So they did it just like the Splatoon 2 yeah. one. Which sucks. Um, it's so like, there, come on, man. A, there is, I think it, there is more tomorrow, to, to this weekend. So I think oh, there, there, is. there is another, I want to say, there's a schedule I saw. I can't remember what it was. But I think it's like 11 a.m. tomorrow or something like that. Uh, there is still more chance to play this weekend. And there is another round of it, I think, the following weekend. Okay. So, I have not. I'd want to though. I wanted to get around to it, but I did, it didn't work out. That was from Johnny Hurricane, by the way. And it, we talked about Arms last week on the show, and I was talking about how I am really excited for it and how my hype for it has been rising continually. So I'm, if it is indeed happening again this weekend, I'll, I'll be on there. I'm going to jump yeah, on. There, there is definitely more. It goes. It went through at least Sunday. Okay. Well, I remember the schedule. I will try it, and I will talk about it next week on the show. Uh, Morat, Yomaz, uh, Shane, and Matt, will you be at E3? We absolutely will be at E3. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see me at E3, um, run, run, because <laughs> I have a knife. <laughs> uh, and now up. he won't be at E3 because <laughs> he said that. Come up and say hello. Um, please do. If you guys see either one of us, I'm sure I can't speak for Matt, but he's a pretty affable guy. <laughs> I think he'll be happy to meet you guys. And I can say a thousand percent worth that I would love to see any of you guys. So, uh, if you see me at E3 on the floor, walking around at a bar afterwards or at a restaurant, don't be afraid. Come up and say hello. Please do. I may even have like some t-shirts in my bag, and maybe I'll give you a t-shirt. So, uh, hmm. yeah, we'll both be there. Uh, and if you see us, at least for myself, don't even think twice. Come up and say hello. Yeah, sure. I might I might be with Sessler. But like, yeah. But he likes to talk to you, too. He does, yeah. And if he doesn't, he'll just walk away and act, and yeah. act like nothing happened. I'm gonna go have a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> but it'll just like wander away and do nothing. Yeah. Uh, here's a question I don't even know the answer to, and maybe Matt, you do. This is from Mike's Q. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Amiibo NFC cards? Does the Nintendo deserve this, or is it just pure piracy? First of all, I don't understand why. Why are they making the cards instead of the Amiibo? Hmm. So there's there's like NFC reader cards essentially. Yeah. Do they do the same thing as the Amiibo? Yeah, the idea is basically like people dump the amiibo data, and then you can, you basically like you can use your PC to put it on this NFC card, and then it works as the same as the amiibo. But wait, you're talking about piracy. Yeah, this is this is. There are official NFC cards that Nintendo makes. I've seen them. That's not what he's talking about. I know, but I'm just wondering. Yeah, but I'm wondering about Nintendo. Is like why. Is Nintendo basically beheading its amiibo market by releasing cards? Oh, they they aren't. They aren't. No. They don't do the same thing? No. Well, those are all like uh, Animal Crossing things. Okay. I I thought I saw them for Fire Emblem. If there were, I haven't seen them. But it's not the same. Like, they do different things. It's it's basically like for stuff that's not something they want to charge like 15 bucks for, basically. Um, I think the question is about the NFC reader piracy scene where you can put every Amiibo ever made on one, on one, card. one card, basically. Um, I mean, I'm, I will never advocate piracy, but at the same time, um, there are some Amiibo that you are simply never going to find for a reasonable price in America. Yeah. Which is not true in like Europe and, and, and Australia, where they, for whatever reason, the Nintendo's outlets there can stock the shelves effectively. Mm-hmm. Whereas here... 
you know, I mean, you're still looking, if you want that, uh, that, uh, the, the big guardian from Breath of the Wild, uh, like, I got that, like, the day the game came out, because uh, I ordered it, but it, there haven't been any more shipments of that, as far as I know. If you want that on eBay, or, or most places, you're going to pay 70 bucks or more. Wow. Um, if you want rough. any of the Zelda stuff for a while, then they were all going for 50 to to $100, um, because Nintendo can't make enough product to meet demand for some reason, even though... There's every, every Animal Crossing figure in the world is still there. So, on the one hand, yeah, I, I don't advocate it, I don't do it. But uh, at the same time, it's hard to blame people who just, like, you know, they just want to play with these things and they can't find them. Yeah. You know, it's gotten to the point where people, you know, a lot of people import the Japanese or Australian ones, the, 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 or the European ones, because it costs less to buy <laughs> to buy them from there and import them. And they all work. They're region-free, right, so they all right. work and everything. So if, you just, if you're not a collector, if you just want that Amiibo to get the bonus thing that you get from that, you know, generally it's almost the same price or less to buy, like, an Australian one and have them shipped. Yeah, that's how I got all the Fire <laughs> Emblem terrible. ones. I wanted all the Fire Emblem ones uh, a while back. And uh, I... Because I like the Fire... I think the Fire Emblem characters actually translate really well into the Amiibos. Yeah. Um... But I ordered, there was this guy selling like, a, like all four of them, for four or five of them uh, from Australia, free shipping. It was like less than retail, like it would be here. So it was, it was, like, it was like 12 bucks each. So yeah, I ordered them. Yeah. And I you know, opened them, they were great. But, but it's like, that's money Nintendo could have had if I could just go into a store and pick them up. But they don't yeah. have any interest in that. So on one hand, yeah, it's not cool that people do that. On the other hand... Um, like, I kind of see the argument that they've sort of dug their own hole on this one. I honestly think it's silly to have content tied to a toy. <laughs> just, yeah, you're not wrong. There's just something about it that I think just a, doesn't I, compute in my I brain. I do think a lot of them, a lot of the market for Amiibo is not really tied to that. It's people love Nintendo and, yeah, they want Yeah, they want to collect the figurines, right. And I totally get that. But I feel like that content should just be on the game disc of whatever game it is you're buying. Oh, it is. So, Right, exactly. But I, I say you should be able to unlock it without using some trinket. Yeah. And uh, so while I'm like Matt, I completely disagree with piracy, this is one of those cases where I do bend a little bit and kind of feel like, eh. Like, I, I feel like Nintendo's being a little shady by practicing this in the first place. And so, yeah, I'm actually, I think, okay with it, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I really don't see it. It's just so, it's a stupid code. I would also, I would have less patience for it if it wasn't like you know i think there's a lot of people who it's not that they don't want to pay 15 dollars for this figure yeah for this you know which is already kind of you know already exorbitant for a new outfit for for link or whatever but they they want to pay 70 dollars to some dude on ebay scalping it for that and it's like you know and there's no reason for that that exists because you know nintendo just doesn't ship enough product yeah. And they could, you know, it, the, you know it, it, there have been trickles of it still. Every once in a while I can still find one of the Breath of the Wild amiibo out there. But it's crazy to me that it's not like the whole rack isn't those things. That's the current thing. That's the thing you want. I mean, even the, they put out that two-pack for the Fire Emblem Echoes. And I got one of those on Amazon. They're gone now. You know, they're gone in a, in a day, less than a day. And it's like, how is that possible? Like, you're a major... Because Nintendo fans are on it, dude. Yeah, they but, are on it. But and then I, you have but like I mean, you, you, Twitter accounts point, that are set up just to right. Help but what people. I'm saying is, at some point, if you're Nintendo, can't you figure out how many, how what the demand for these things are, yeah. and fill that? No, no, I understand that. Like we've made we've made that argument many it's times on the show. It really, they've really dropped the ball. And it's not that way in other regions, which is the craziest thing to me. Is like clearly in other places, 
they do. They, you know, there's pictures from Australia of like racks full of every single character you walk, just like Skylanders or Disney Infinity before they shut it down, or Lego Dimensions. You walk into any store now, and you can pretty much find all those figures from every year. Yeah, all that just you know, no problem. But the Amiibo. It's it's walls and walls of all those the amiibo the that nobody animal, wants the Animal Crossing stuff nobody wanted that they made like fifteen of different figures for that for some reason. Well, because they thought that they could sell any amiibo. Wrong again. Yeah, <laughs> like people want the real characters. They they they, don't, they care about. They don't yeah. want five five of these weird little animals that you don't even remember the names of. Yep. Uh, what's up with uh, this is from Super Cordon Blue. What's up with a sifted meet and greet at E three? How about this? Go on the site right now, go into the forums, and in the off-topic forum, create a thread right now for Sifted E3 meet and greet. When we get everything wrapped up here and I go home, I'll jump in there. Anybody who would be interested in meeting up at E3 in Los Angeles, um, jump in there, say what days you're open, what times might work, um, and we'll do it. We'll get together. We'll go. We'll meet at a bar or something. Maybe get some food and some drinks, and we'll hang out and we'll talk about E3. It'll be a blast. Uh, maybe I'll even bring a camera and we'll shoot everybody and shoot everything for some fun. But uh, if you guys are willing to do it, and there's enough of you guys coming to E3, I will 1,000 percent meet you guys, and we will hang out at E3. So do it. Get on the forums and do it right now. Um, Grenade artist, have you guys had tried fireworks Oreos yet? No, you know I haven't. <laughs> why? Why haven't you? Why would he know that? Because I'm the one who sent him the picture of it, oh. and he'd already eaten them. Oh. And he's like, "Yeah, they're good," but because they 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 have pop rocks in them, basically. Oh, like, like I saw a candy. story about that the other day. Actually, I saw Penny Arcade did a strip yeah. on that. Yeah, and I didn't get them because I don't like that. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> and you could die if you eat it with soda. That was actually what the whole Penny Arcade comic was about. Uh, w Matthew asks, given the earliest Cyberpunk 2077 will be released in 2019, there's another. There's a five year. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, more. longer. And CD Projekt Red's love for pushing tech. What are the odds it doesn't come out on base PS4, Xbox One? I'm going to say better than average. I, I say no. I, I, there's no way they'll turn their backs on 40 million consoles Man. out there. There's just no way. Even that many years from now? Nope. <laughs> it may run like dog crap, but I guarantee yeah, it, might, it might be a Hyrule Warriors on the original 3DS Seriously, situation. but I think they'll release it, for better yeah. or worse. I, this... When you talk about that kind of an investment in a game, you can't just turn your back on the biggest user base. I mean, no matter mm. what happens with PlayStation 4 Pro, it's never going to eclipse how many base PlayStation 4s are out there. Um, and that's a, a, one of the big reasons, honestly, why I tend to review a lot of PlayStation 4 games on a base PS4, because that's what most people have, like it or not. So, yeah, I think it'll still come out for, for base. We'll see, but I, that would be my mm. guess. Uh, kills with Kindness. I don't know if we want to answer this one or not. Uh, do you think Christianity is an easy target? Would Ubisoft ever take the premise of this game and base it around Islam? Um, well, how would you do that, really? Well, like part, of, part of the subversion of this game is it's taking the core values of the society it's being released to and turning it on its head and making it something scary. Um, I don't think you can really do that as a Western in a Western game release with Islam, because the, a, a lot of people already think Islam is scary. Well, there's already been games against Islam. Oh, sure. I played a game where I karate kicked Osama bin Laden in the head. Right, Fugitive Hunter was quite the quite quite the zeitgeist of its time. Um, there are tons of there are already tons of games that uh, I don't I don't. Some know would argue that Call of Duty. Many of the Call of Duties are already that game. Yeah, I mean. 
Yeah, there, there are already tons of games that use Islam as the villain. I feel like Christians right now are overreacting. Is Christianity an easy target? Uh, obviously not, <laughs> because look at what's happened over the last yeah, two days. Yeah, it's not days. a consequence-free <laughs> target. Apparently. Yeah, I guess that there in turn would it mean it's not easy. Uh, I mean, Ubisoft knew it was going to get backlash over this. Whether it's bigger or more or less than it thought, I have no idea. Uh, but it certainly knew that it was going to stir mm -hmm. up a beehive whenever it released that trailer. Um, yeah, I mean, I've killed lots of Islamic people in video games. Tons. Yeah. I don't understand why people all of a sudden think that that's not... Hap it hasn't happened. I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. Christianity is an easy, easy target. I, I don't think Christianity is. I think a perversion of Christianity is. And here, I don't know if you saw our discussion earlier on Far Cry 5... But this is what we were talking about. We're talking about how these people, and they're not Christians. They're people who are perverting Christianity. And if you are a Christian, I'm not saying you are, but if you are, you should want to get revenge on these people because they're perverting your religion. They're making people look at your religion differently than they should. It, Christians being mad about this game, to me, is just insanity. You should want people to want to rid your religion of these people who are ruining it in the in the eyes of of the general public i i'm completely missing the logic here of why people are why christians are up in arms over this game i don't get it um got one killzone 310 says shane you're always talking about your adventures in japan but i've never seen you in a short sleeve shirt are you hiding something from us that might associate you with a certain japanese organization what tattoos I have a tattoo. In, uh, in, if you have tattoos... All oh, Yakuza. Like, yeah, you're Yakuza. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm definitely not Yakuza. <laughs> I do have a tattoo right here. not a Yakuza, he's a street racer. Everybody yeah, knows you this. You keep forgetting that. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a tattoo. I have a tattoo right here, and I got it the day I turned 18. The day. And it was done by a guy called Crazy Luke who had a lazy eye. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no you know, a, a lot of people say, do they uh, regret getting a tattoo? I honestly don't. It reminds me of like a whole period of my life. It reminds me of my whole uh, skate, punk rock, hardcore era of my life. And that reminds me of a lot of the friends that I hung around with then. Uh, do I wish it looked better now, many years later? Yes, I do. Hmm. <laughs> but that's not why I wear long sleeve shirts. I wear long sleeve shirts because it's like five degrees in here. Yeah, I don't wear long sleeve shirts because... I don't know. It's not bad when it's we first stupid. start, but over time, it creeps in. Like, now my feet are well, freezing. My fingers feel like they're made of wood yeah, right yeah. now. It's, it's not a... Yeah. Back B asks, do you think we will get actual single-player DLC for Red Dead 2, or have G has GTA Online ruined it forever? It, I think it depends on how uh, robust the multiplayer is for Red Dead. I suspect they will do the same thing for Red Dead that they did with GTA. Really? You think, think no I, more story DLC? It would surprise me. Unless they decide to kind of go whole hog and redo the zombie thing. Um, I think it I depends see, on how like, successful it is. Because GTA is different, man. You have all these vehicles. You have play... I mean, yeah, but the, you could, the you toys could, that you have to play with, they're so much more robust. Yeah, but you could also argue that Red Dead 1 was a dry run for that. Like, the, the online mode in that was very much kind of the, the, the template for what they ended up following for 5. Right, but I think 5 supplied the tools that they needed to be able to generate a ton of revenue from it. Yeah, I, I just don't think that's necessarily going to stop them. 
I just don't see Red Dead Online being even in the same galaxy as GTA Online. I just I don't. didn't see GTA Online being anything at all. It's but gigantic. There it went. But so. it's gigantic because it's, there's so many things you can do. Yeah, but I and think when you talk that, about Red Dead, it's like you can ride a horse or you can walk. It's or like, you can rob a bank, you can rob a train, you can stop people from doing that. You can, you can do all that in GTA, though. Yeah, uh, but you I, can, now you can do it on a horse. Uh, I just don't think it's anywhere near as compelling as Grand Theft Auto in that way. And I'm not saying that they are going to do story I'm DLC. Not saying, well, that's kind of I'm just thing. saying it's far more likely that they would do story DLC for Red Dead than they would for GTA. Yeah, but I'm still saying that's like a 10% likelihood. Mm, I'd put it higher than that. I'd put I, I it at like 30 or 40% chance. I just think they know where that money is now and they are not. They don't care about single player. I think they may be in for a big surprise when people play that Red Dead multiplayer you for may a be week right. and bail. You may be right, but I still think... And Rockstar is smart. If, it, if anything, I think the first several DLC things will be multiplayer focused and if that doesn't catch on, they might shift to do a single player thing. But I would bet that their preference and plan is to do multiplayer. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, well, of course. They'd much rather just do multiplayer. Yeah. So it's cheaper and easier. But at the end of the day, all Rockstar really cares about is making money. And so if it doesn't believe that Red Dead Online can become as big or profitable as Grand Theft Auto Online, I think that they just won't do it. And, they'll, and I think they would make more money, honestly, on story DLC on Red Dead Redemption 2 than doing it online. Well, they'd make more money from me doing it. Right. I think in general they would. And they'll, they'll still make money off of Red Dead Online. They'll sell cowboy hats and cowboy boots and all this other crap that people will buy. But when you're talking about long-term sustained success, I think that they'll make story DLC. We'll see. All right, let's answer a couple more. Um, Vin Hill. 104. Mr. Vin, this is a question very near and dear to his profession and his heart. Do you think the pixel art bubble is ever going to burst, or is it here to stay forever for indies to play with? I don't see it going away anytime soon. Yeah, I think it'll have a curve. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it will never go away completely, because it's always going to engender feelings of nostalgia in players. Always. No matter what. Even people who didn't grow up in that era like Matt and I did... It still makes you feel, think about the old days. Something very grandiose about that, I think. And so I don't think it's ever going to go away for good. Do I think we'll get to a point where every freaking indie game that's announced isn't like 8-bit styled, 16-bit styled, retro styled? Yes, I think that will definitely be the case. And I think it helps, too, as time goes on, that uh, the middleware is getting better. So people can be more creative with polygonal games without having to worry about all the problems of just actually building the graphics engine. So yeah, I think over time we'll go away from that. One thing I will say though, and maybe this is what prompted you to ask this question, is looking at the game Blasphemous. So a lot of these pixel art games, or retro style, or whatever you want to call them, they look like a game that was made back then. But Blasphemous is one of the rare ones where you can actually see the game uses the current technology to push things further. So there's a lot more enemies on screen, there's a lot more movement on screen than you would have got back in the 18, the 8 and 16-bit eras. Um, and I'm a-okay with that. Like, I just, I'm not a big fan of the pixel art games that just try to be an NES game or a Super Nintendo game. I like when they actually use the technology that we have now, 
to make it an homage to it, but not just an exact replication. So that was another reason why Blasphemy caught my eye, because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wow. Like, I never would have played that back when I had my NES or whatever. It just wasn't possible. So I sort of feel the same way about Owlboy from a yeah. very opposite part of the violent spectrum. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it looks like it reminds me of a Super Nintendo game, but clearly it's doing things a Super Nintendo couldn't do. Yep. But, you know, it, I, I admit that I'm a little sick of the pixel art thing. At yeah, this point. It's, it's burning it's, out. It's a little overdone. Something like Blasphemous, like, clearly, you know, they're, they're doing some fun, cool stuff with it. But, like, it just feels like the default mode now. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind seeing them people branch out a bit. But I, I understand it's budgetarily. It's, a, it's an affordable way to do the game. Uh, Tapioca, or Tapioca. I think it's Tapioca. Uh, any chance of you guys becoming Twitch affiliates so that we can get a sifted emote? No. <laughs> I don't think there is. Uh, I, am in, I am friends with basically the head of PR at Twitch, uh, which is how we got the Turbo account that we have now, which is why our stream always looks rock solid, which I appreciate very much. Um, but when I talk to him about becoming an affiliate, like we are so far below the metrics that you need to become an affiliate. <laughs> like If you want us to become an affiliate... Go on your social media channels and tell people to subscribe to our channel. That's pretty much all that can be done for us to become an affiliate. So we just need more people. And in all honesty, we would need to stream way more often than we do. The requirements Mm -hmm. are both a set number of streams per week or month, I can't remember which, and also the number of people that are on those streams. And since we don't stream every day, all day, like really most of the Twitch affiliates, unless you're a massive site like GameSpot or IGN or whatever... Most of the affiliates are people who try to make a living uh, off Twitch, which I can't, I can't even imagine trying to do that. Wow. I have a lot of respect for the people that do that because I play games every day. But to go and sit in front of other people and put it on, turn mm. it on every day, it's like essentially sitting there and acting for eight hours a day. Yeah, I mean... Because... Believe me, people, your favorite streamers are not like that in real life. Like, when, when the cameras go on, they go, ee! And when they go off, they go, damn. Like, Beats working at Starbucks. It so. does, for sure. I mean, if you can make money doing yeah. it. But it, it's a bit of an act, you know? And I don't blame them. There's yeah, no well, they're, way. They're entertainers. Yeah, they're entertainers. There's no way someone could be that way all day, every day. So props to those that do it. But there's, those are generally the people who become affiliates with Twitch. Uh, we would if we could, but it doesn't seem like we can. Uh, Castlevania anime on Netflix. Are you excited about that? I'm interested. I mean, it, it looks better than I thought it would, yeah. animation quality-wise. It does, and, yeah. Um, I mean, it's Warren Ellis writing it, uh, and I, I trust the man. He writes good stuff, and he's been trying to get this thing made for, like, 12 years or something. And uh, he's got some... He, I, I, you know, people have done some reports. Has been, he's talked about the... He has, he has three scripts... He's going to want to do three movies, like three 80-minute animated movies, which I guess this is going to be... They're going to translate those into seasons of four episodes each. Yeah. And um, first one adapts Castlevania III. Um, he uh, has tons of little, you know, stuff, little things in there. He's going to delve into Alucard's mother uh, and what happened to her. And, like, you know, more Castlevania is good. I'm excited for it. Because it's not like we're going to see any more games. Yeah. So at least it exists. The way it'll live on. Uh, Gurzilla, you've mentioned maybe moving to another office. Have you considered sharing a location with another similar group? Uh, I'm not saying you should do it, since there will be scheduling issues with using said room. We have an amazing deal here. Uh, For what we pay, for what we get at this location, it is an incredible deal. Um, Basically what's happened is because of the robbery, 
our landlord, I don't want to say this too loud, but our landlord has like frozen our rent because I think he feels incredibly guilty over what happened because when we moved in, he swore it was secure and there were cameras everywhere and it turned out it was all a bunch of bull crap. And so essentially our rent has been frozen. Um, after our first year, it went up and then we got robbed and then he never jacked it up again. And meanwhile, I've talked to the other suites around our suite and they've all said that the rent's like doubled. And I just say, oh, okay. And I just like, shut up. <laughs> so um, we're in a good situation here other than the fact that every time I come here, I have to set everything up. And then when I leave, I have to tear everything down. That part really sucks and really, it's really starting to wear me out. But the cost of another location is just astronomical. Like, um, I, I look all the time, and uh, the, for what we pay here, for a lot of locations, it gets you, like, a space for a desk in, like, a really, like, nice high-rise. I'm not exaggerating. Mm. Like, one workstation per month is, like, what we pay for our suite here. So, um, yeah. I keep looking for other locations, but, uh, and as far as joining with somebody else, who... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, I mean, there's a reason Easy Allies is still in Brandon's garage because right. commercial real estate around here is insane. You can't even fathom out. I mean, even, like if we had the spare room in either of our houses, we would just do it there. I would. I totally would. If I And I've tried to convince my wife to do it before. I'm like, I just want to take all this bedroom furniture out of here and just like set up the studio in here because the other part of it too is like I would stream a lot more often if I didn't have to come like all the way here to mm -hmm. have like a decent setup, like and if or if everything was just set up like all at once, ready to go and ready to go, and I just had to flip a switch, hit start on my console, I'd stream way more often. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you look at like Easy Allies, they're in Brandon's garage because if you try to rent like real space, it is crazy freaking expensive unless you want to live in the desert in the valley where you'd end up driving an hour and a half each way to get there. So. We're actually in a pretty good spot where we're at right now, to be honest with you. I, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe in some ways the robbery was a, had a little bit of a silver lining to it. And that now the landlord feels god awful and isn't jacking up our rent. So probably told you more than you wanted to hear about that, but hmm. there you go. All right, let's answer one more. Do you find a good one by any chance? Um... Thanks for the uh, five-star rating there, Tapiokes. <laughs> J. Reed Vic 7 asks, is Friday the 13th onto something as far as horror sandbox-based co-op multiplayer? Is there a precedent for this on console outside of the custom game types in first-person shooters? Yes, they are definitely onto something. Mm -hmm. The execution's not quite there yet, but I think that's a perfect way to describe that game. It's onto something. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it actually gets to that something, I don't know if that'll happen or not. Yeah, I mean, the asymmetrical multiplayer thing has been tried several times. Yeah. Uh, certainly there was there was an idea of that in early Wii U games, like Zombie U and stuff like that. Yeah. Never seemed to quite catch on. Um, I feel like, it, I know that sometimes like they the, those games had problems where like people always felt like ones, you know, or uh, Evolve certainly crashed and burned pretty hard. Yeah. Um, a lot of times I feel like people like think that like one side or the other has an unfair advantage or one side is more fun than the others. I feel like F Friday the 13th has struck a pretty good balance on that though. Where uh, I, as much as I do enjoy playing Jason, I don't really have a better or worse time as either side. No. 
Um, Other than the fact that I've fun. never won as the counselors. Right. But part, <laughs> but that's the but thing part of the, the fun is, is being caught is by Jason. Yeah. Part of the fun is losing and getting yeah. killed by Jason. It's what gets your heart racing. Yeah. And, and even at this point, you know, at this point in the game's life, it's like sometimes you run into somebody who's spent like a ton of XP on like a high-end kill for Jason. You're like, oh, wow, I've never, I got killed in a way I've never seen that before. Or like there's context-sensitive kills too where you can get like burned in a fireplace or like hung up on a, on a clothes hook or something and like... It's it's something. If you get a good Jason, it's fun to be a counselor because you never quite know what that Jason's going to do next. Dude, we got so many questions today. Holy cow! I didn't even realize. Like I was plucking questions off the top, and I just started scrolling down, and it was just like pages and pages. I'm sorry. I wish we. I really wish uh, we could get to more. And actually, I've been starting to think about lately. Uh, is doing a daily mailbag on Sifted. Um, I remember back when I first really, really got into like video games and wanted to become a games journalist, IGN64.com did a mailbag every day. And uh, Matt Casamassina, he would answer four or five questions a day, and he would just do it all in text or whatever. But I was hooked on that feature. Um, and I feel like there's so many people on the site. One, there's a lot of subscribers who never watch the live stream and never get a chance to have their questions answered. And two, every time we finish a stream, there's like dozens of questions we never get to. So that's something you guys might be interested in. I'd be willing to do that at least three days a week. Um, answer your questions. And it, I don't know if I'd do a video. Maybe some days I'd do a quick video or whatever, more like a vlog or whatever, I guess mm -hmm. is what the kids call them. Um, but uh, I feel like you guys, uh, there's way more questions than we could ever get to on the show. And so I want to make sure we're giving you guys what you want. So if that's something you might be interested in, maybe you can uh, pop that up on the message boards as well and let me know. Maybe that's something we'll consider doing. So otherwise, thank you guys for uh, asking so many great questions and sticking around on your Memorial Day weekend. Did we even say that in the intro, that it was Memorial Day? I don't think I, think I did. So. Like I said, worst intro ever. <laughs> F minus. It was so bad. Um, yeah, Memorial Day weekend is a three-day weekend uh, here in the U.S. I don't think anywhere else, though, right? Just here. Yeah, it's a bank holiday in the U.K. Yeah. Probably um, because nobody can get anything done because we're not, not doing, doing anything. anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, Monday's off for most people. Uh, there'll probably be minimal site updates throughout the weekend as far as curation is concerned. But obviously, as soon as I get out of here, we'll be uploading this for you guys uh, to take on your travels as you go to cookouts and whatever else the hell you're going to do on Memorial Day. But uh, everyone have a safe Memorial Day weekend if you're in the U.S. or wherever you are, actually. Uh, if you drink, don't drive. <laughs> yeah, Canadians can have a safe weekend, yeah, that's too. That's right. It's okay. <laughs> if you drink, don't drive. Take an Uber. It's way too cheap, people. There's no reason for people to drink and drive anymore unless they live way out in the middle of nowhere and then get a horse. So. <laughs> yeah, a horse doesn't care if you're drunk. Exactly. It'll just mosey its ass right on home. You don't have to even have to do anything. You can pass out on the horse and you'll still make the it. original so. Uber. Uber and Lyft are just trying to be the new horse. <laughs> right. That's funny. All right. Well, everybody have an excellent weekend. As always, thanks to all of you guys on the live stream, man. It really makes it worth doing to be able to interact with you guys throughout the, the course of the show and at the end. Game phase is up and out. <laughs> Thank you.